Angie's List is now Angie, and caring for your home just got easier. Whether you need help with routine maintenance or a dream remodel, Angie makes it easy to see reviews, compare quotes, and connect with top local pros who can get the job done right. Plus, you can see upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. No phone tag, just the work you need done at a time that works for you. Angie's got your to-do list covered from start to finish. Book your next home project today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Hi, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. Whether you're watching a video or listening to a podcast, please like and subscribe to us so that you can get notification of when a new show is released. Links to videos or MP3 files can be found on MiamiGhostChronicles.com or go to MarlenePardo.com for information on new book releases. I narrate several podcast series that can be found on major podcast platforms and can also be listened to via Alexa, Sonos, and other home systems. Look for Supernatural Storytime for scary storytelling, Nightshade Diary for classic horror and adventure stories, Stories of the Supernatural for interviews with different guests on the show. If you want to get noteworthy news about the paranormal world, true crime, conspiracy stories, and anything that is just plain weird, you can visit Stranger Than Fiction Stories tab at MiamiGhostChronicles.com or find us on Blogspot. I want to thank you for being part of my audience, and I think you are all wonderful. Hi, everybody. How's everybody doing? Good, I hope. I'm doing well. Everything is good. I know that uh, a lot of you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and um, catch you up on the, well, you know what, what I'm going to do before I go to my chicken, uh, I'll catch up on the chicken uh, soap opera here, Chicken Kingdom. Let me tell you a little bit about my sponsor. My sponsor is Freethinker Projects. And uh, basically what they do, they're Florida-based, and they take care of, they have mail 40 and virtual mailboxes. They also provide mobile notary services, also remote online, which means you can get your uh, paperwork notarized online. And they're also a Florida-registered agent, but they're mainly geared towards the RV or nomadic lifestyle people that spend a few months at different places around the country. And then they need um, a Florida address. They need a place so that they could send, get their mail either received and they're forwarded to where you're at. And in some cases, if you need to maintain your residency in the state of Florida, they can go ahead and take care of that for you. Uh, again, they, um, they can go ahead also, and if you have packages, it's not only mail, it's packages. They receive packages, big packages and everything, boxes. They'll hold them for you. If you don't want to get something delivered and it be, you know, maybe you're going to be gone for a bit and you don't want the weather to, uh, to basically ruin it, they can receive the package and forward it to you. And, of course, you always get a daily uh, notification 
if any mail or any packages are received. So go to freethinkerprojects.com. That's freethinkerprojects.com and check them out. And uh, there's probably something there. If that's the lifestyle for you and you want peace of mind, check them out. So anyway, let's go on to the next part. Let's go to the soap opera of My Chicken Kingdom. As you all know, um, I have, uh, I don't know if I mentioned it in the last show, that you know I'm always talking about all my chickens getting away from me and uh, putting um, unauthorized egg laying and having chicks. Well, I think I, I think I did this on my last show that I'd said, I discovered one where there was a piece of wood lying up at the roots of some trees and a little, you know what, crawled under there, put some eggs there. And I was missing it because I was picking up eggs all over the place. And I hadn't noticed she had crawled in there, but it was, she, she was just like, I didn't, next thing I know, all of a sudden I look and I'm like, wait a minute, there's somebody under there. By then, I don't know how long she's been on the egg, so I got to leave her there. So yeah, I'm going to have another official, unofficial, un unauthorized chick hatch thing. So yeah. Oh, my next thing is I want to tell you guys, I'm going to sign up out here. They have um, uh, livestock and chicken auctions. Livestock, I'm going to participate in that because what's pro the problem is that I have a lot of roosters. I'm I'm too attached to them, and I think I'm going to have to be going off and auctioneering them off at these sites. And basically, what it is, it's like local farmers or people like myself that they take animals either to auction to sell, to auction off, or to buy. This is like a very uh, local Central Florida and Central North Florida kind of thing. Where you know, of course, it's not only chickens; it's pigs and goats, and uh, you name it. So I'll I'll keep you guys <laughs> as, as to how that works out for Marlene, because I've never been to that. But yeah, I I, I got to get with some of my boys, and let's face it, I'm not about to kill any of my chickens. It's like, all right, you know, come on, come on, I'm not gonna do it. Everybody knows I'm not gonna do it because when it comes to stuff like that, I'm a real wimp. But anyway, guys, let's get on to the good part. The good part is who I have today as a guest. All right, now this is the first time that he's been here. He is a, you might you probably, I'm gonna say you probably have seen him, okay, on the TV. His name is Rick McCallum and he has been a professional stuntman and actor uh, and stunt coordinator for over 35 years and has more than 75 movie and TV projects to his name. Um, you, maybe sometimes you might not have seen him in front of the camera. Most definitely he was there behind it. Um, he's been in many horror movies, most notably Hatchet 2, where he is a chain sawed in half by his best friend, Kane. Hey, what are friends for? <laughs> he frequently plays monsters or paranormal characters. He has stunt doubled for many well-known actors, including Barry Boswick, Oliver Platt, Christopher Noth, and Greg Evigan, among others. His real passion is the paranormal, which began at age 13 and has been a lifelong pursuit. While working on a movie in Mansfield Reformatory, a very haunted prison in Ohio, he and Kane Hodder, who played Jason Voorhees in Friday the 13th, parts 7, 8, 9, and 10, uh, they discovered a mutual interest in the paranormal and founded the Hollywood Ghost Hunters and later added R.A. Milehoff, who played Leatherface, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, part 3. The three appeared on the TV Ghost Adventures, uh, where they were joined by the Ghost Adventures crew on an investigation at the Pico House in Los Angeles. That's so, that's incredible. I'll, I'll tell you later on the tie-in to the Pico House about the book I just released. Uh, this book combines a unique blend of stories of movies, ghost hunting, 
and humor as Rick recounts extraordinary happenings in his life. He has ghost hunted all over the United States and many times while on locations for a movie and has also ghost hunted at many of the most iconic haunted locations in the US as well as Scotland, England, Ireland, and Australia. The list of locations could be a bucket list for most paranormal investigators. I know it's on mine, uh, including Waverly Hill Sanatorium, the Queen Mary, the Pioneer Saloon, the Omen House, Rosslyn Chapel, Bachelors Grove, Bolton, Abbey, Gravefire Cemetery, the Hellfire Club, Leap Castle. Whatever's at Leap Castle scares me, by the way. You know, that's Marlene's insert there. And the real uh, Mary King's Close. Okay, he relays his time in living what may be the most haunted house in America. The stories that happen there are incredible. He also has a book called Ghosts Believe in Me, playing monsters in movies, seeking spirits in real life. And we're going to talk about this at the end of the show and have a link. He also has a tour of Scotland scheduled for next year, July of 2022, which is called Haunted Majesties of Scotland. It's a nine-day, eight-night tour and we'll talk about that later on more with, with Rick, but just, uh, how are you doing, Rick? Wow. I'm, I'm doing great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, I was like, you, um, I was going to say, usually what I ask my guests is how did they, I mean, besides the, uh, that you worked basically in horror movies, but you said you had an experience when you were 13. Yeah, paranormal experience. Yeah, that's that's pretty much what got me started. What happened? Uh, my grandfather had died in one of those uh, cleaning his gun accidents. Oh. If, which I do this because huh. he'd been around guns a long time. Um, oh. Well, I lived in Chicago with my mom, and my mom, you know, was a single mother, so we didn't have a lot of money. And my grandfather didn't leave any money to be buried or anything else. And he wanted to be buried in Paducah, Kentucky. So my mom and I, you know, put him on a train and we went with him, to, you know, to bury him. And I was 13 at the time. When we got down there, we didn't have a hotel or anything else. So they took the casket over to the funeral home for the, for the uh, ceremony the next day. And uh, my mother and I just started walking down the, you know, from the cemetery trying to find a cheap hotel. And we saw one that looked like it should have been in every horror movie ever made. It was, you know, it was a, a two-story one and had, you know, the uh, flickering neon that was, you know, like. <laughs> but we, we went in there and my mother said, we'd like to get a room. How much are they? And the guy told her, she goes, okay, well, we'll take one. He goes, well, we only have one left. He says, and I have to tell you, it's haunted. Now. I was going to say that, that is, that that's exactly what you. <laughs> Those are movies. We got the last well, one left. Yeah, but you know what? I was 13 years old. I, I, it was like I got a golden ticket to Disneyland. Haunted room. Woo yeah, I know. I know. I know. So just we went in there, and the place was looked like a volleyball court sideways instead of lengthwise looked sideways. And it was wood. And the beds, there was one on each side. And this room was probably 20, 22 feet wide, very wide. Um, and there was a rolling bed on each each one, so you could put the beds anywhere you wanted in this big space. But we were on both sides, and that was okay with us. And uh, we went to sleep because we were tired from all the traveling and everything else. And in the middle of the night, I hear my mother scream, and I, you know, I jerk up awake and I look, and here's her bed just zooming across the floor right towards me. And then I realize that my bed is zooming the other direction right towards her. And the two beds just smashed together right in the middle of the room. And we were just sitting there looking face to face. 
for like five seconds. And my mother finally just said, well, I guess the guy downstairs is right. So that pretty much started me, you know, ghost hunting. We tried to debunk it. And that's long before anybody even knew what debunking was. Um, right. We took a glass and tried to roll it. It wouldn't go anywhere. I pushed the bed. It would only go like three feet. These things traveled roughly 18 feet altogether to hit each other. So that got me started and uh, didn't slow down since. Wow. And then, you know what? You, I thought you were going to tell me something that happened with, you know, after your grandfather's death, but, and they, you never, I, well, you know what? That was, that was a different time when things like that happened. People just like, I'm not going to ask about this much less. Am I going to ask the, the guy at the front desk? Hey, what's, uh, is this what everybody else has experienced? Well, he volunteered it before we ever got up there. So, you know, that was, it was that like, was hey, caveat emptor. You know, I'm telling you ahead of time. So don't don't come down and complain. Yeah. And we didn't complain. I mean, it was kind of kind of cool, actually, you know. Yeah. I'd see those are the best stories when people, it just happens. They're not looking for, they're not ghost hunting or anything like that. They actually have that experience. It just falls in their lap, for lack of a better word. So well, what happened? After you, can, that, I'm sorry, you, can, you can tell by the uh, color of my beard and my hair that that wasn't last week because <laughs> it was when I was 13. It was a long time ago. Um, what happened after that? Well, we went to the funeral and then we had a big surprise that uh, my grandfather from England, Joe Kelly, uh -huh. his real name when we met his brother was Leonidas, Leonidas Volholius and he was from Sparta. <laughs> what? Yeah. All <laughs> this time we... All this time I thought I was Irish and it turns out on my mother's side, I, I was part Greek. So <laughs> so what happened? He just changed his name and that was it? Well, his mother's name was Kelly. And when he came oh. when he came over on the boat, he decided to use her name instead of Aholius. And he just went Joe instead of Leonidas because everybody screws that up. I right. mean, it's a, it's a big name now. And coming from Sparta, somebody named Leonidas, you know, the 300. Right, of course. They have a back then. Uh, uh They would have said, "What, Leo? Uh, okay." Yeah, Leo, and he, he, I don't think he wanted to be a Leo, so he was Joe Kelly his whole life, and we didn't even know it until his brother came up. You know, and he was in Paducah. That's why he wanted to be buried there. And the guy told us the whole story. So that is incredible. What a great story. Yeah, but that's what happens. You know, you, you can make yourself. That was also. I tell everybody. You know, once upon a time. People could remake themselves. We're talking here the 20s, 30s, things like that. You can remake your identity uh, and become a whole new person, basically. Uh, ch change your name, change your background, you name it. Eh, I'm not that motivated. I'll stick with the one I know. <laughs> Although, you know, you hear a lot of these stories. But as a matter of fact, I was telling everybody the, um, I, as a matter of fact, today, I just released it for pre-order today. Uh, I wrote a book about true crimes, but it's usually like I, what I call film noir times between the, the world wars. And when you said that thing about the Pico house, just so happened that one of the guys in the story, he had killed a family. The police pick him up, right? He was sitting on the curb at the Pico house. And he was supposed about to leave for a, a mining camp about 100 miles away. And when you said that thing about the Pico house, I said, hey, the Pico house I know has historical significance in that area. But uh, yeah, he was waiting there at the curb and the police uh, grabbed him right before he left. Otherwise, he would have gotten away with killing five people. Well, you know, the, the, the Pico house has its own history, too. I mean, um, the thing that really made it famous was there was a race riot between the members of the Chinese Tong 
the Mexican nationals and the Anglos that lived there because the Tong had murdered the Irish cop on the beat. Okay. And the Mexican nationals and the Anglos ganged up on the Tong, who was, you know, the big criminals around the thing. And 19 people got killed in the riot. Wow. So at the Pico house, you know, in the alley behind the Pico house. So uh, that's why we ghost hunted there. And, and it was very active when we were there. So I bet, I bet that place with all that, but yeah, it's been there for quite a while though. I mean, a lot of things I tell people, you know, a lot of things that happen at some of these locations that have haunted reputation. Sometimes you're never going to find it in either the history books or even the newspapers at the time. It's things that go on in the alleys, like what you just described. Uh, yeah. So, and some of them are pretty dark and that's where you get a lot of the, um, a lot of the hauntings for, especially the really uh, active or what I call intelligent ones. Yeah. Or from I call the unknowns. You're never going to know their name. You're never going to find a, a reference to them. But uh. Well, I'll tell you something interesting about that. Uh, about a year after the Pico House episode showed up on Ghost Adventures, I had a group out here ask if you know my group could come down and ghost hunt with them. Mm -hmm. Well, Kane, Kane was off somewhere. Kane's always busy somewhere. So R.A. and I went. When we got down there, I'd been down in the basement with Nick Groff. I was hunting with him. Kane was hunting with Zach, and R.A. was hunting with Aaron. So we, you know, we were all over the building. But I was down in the basement, and my K2 meter was reacting and answering me when I was asking questions. And I mean, it was very active. Well, when I went back, zip. I mean, it would not blink, nothing. I was asking the same questions I had before. And then I had a thought, which I use now all the time, ghost hunting. I just said, uh, wait a minute. Is there anybody here that speaks Spanish? And this girl said, I do. And I said, 10 seconds after I asked the question, Say it again in Spanish, right? As soon as they started doing Spanish, we started getting the responses. Of course, yeah. So people you know, don't realize. I, I mean, I know that for practicality of ghost hunting, you want to think, and I've heard some people say, oh, no, they understand a language. And I'm like, I beg to differ, uh, especially if you have an area that there's a concentration, uh, especially like that, you're, you sometimes get a lot better intelligent responses when you use the language um, that that was predominant there by some of the people that were, and I'm sure that if you would have had somebody maybe that spoke Chinese and they would have said something, you would have gotten like maybe a slew oh, of, uh, of information yeah. as well. I, well I, was, I went with that one first. There was no Chinese speakers. There. No, really? It was like, I forget it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, actually I just did the same thing up at, the, at David Oman's house, the one that's right next to where the yes. Tate, Tate family yes. got wiped out by on Cielo Drive, yeah, I I, I, uh, I interviewed, I have to, it was been, God, time flies, I think it's been three years. Angie's List is now Angie, and caring for your home just got easier. Whether you need help with routine maintenance or a dream remodel, Angie makes it easy to see reviews, compare quotes, and connect with top local pros who can get the job done right. Plus, you can see upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. No phone tag, just the work you need done at a time that works for you. Angie's got your to-do list covered from start to finish. Book your next home project today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Oh, oh. 
Uh, that he was right down the street from uh, where the uh, the Manson one of the Manson murders took place. Yeah, the ones where they killed Sharon. But he had his he has his own thing going on there in his property, I believe, right? Yeah, and his his house is very haunted. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I get so much evidence on the second floor. Uh, matter of fact, really? on the back on the back cover of my book, David Oman put a blurb on the back cover, and it says. Rick shows up with a little case of equipment and gets just as much evidence as the big TV production companies. Yeah. So. yeah sometimes, believe it or not, sometimes it's there. There is something I think to just some people they they stir up the spiritual turbulence in a place. It's like oh, and then other times other people go and it's like everybody just like <laughs> all the entities, all the scarnets, like go oh, forget that. Yeah. But yeah, I spoke to him and I remember he was telling me some really way out stories about things that were going on in that property. And uh, I believe even he had even seen um, he had seen the ghost of Jay Sebring, which yeah. in his bedroom one night he did right in his bedroom, and it was like what? Um, yeah. But there's a let me tell you something from what I've heard. A lot of unusual things have gone on in that canyon, that area. Uh, really, like what? It's, well, it's known for weird happenings. In that canyon, uh, not a real very far away, is where George Reeves uh, supposedly committed suicide. The guy who played Superman on the TV show, yes, is is not very far away, and a lot of people seem to think that he was murdered. I was going to ask you now that you brought that up. What do you think? I think he was murdered. Wow, that's really when did. you right when you look at the movie, and I know sometimes movies can be slanted one way or the other. No. No, right? What makes me think no. that? Where am I coming up with exactly that? 100%. Really, Marlene, yeah. you're such a cynic. Okay, but I, I was based on that. I would think, man, this guy didn't. Uh, I don't think he did. Uh, he did that to himself. No, too many people actually, wanted him dead. He was actually looking forward to a new show. He was just getting ready to do, right. and they know or they have said that there were two shots. You generally don't shoot yourself in the head the second time. Uh, and when they, <laughs> yeah, usually it's pretty easy to hit yourself from here. You don't miss right. the first time. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that they found his gun underneath his back when he fell. That's a neat trick. How do you do that? Huh? Yeah, exactly. So I, I do think that, uh, somebody shot him. I, I do think there was a, a woman named, uh, Lenore Mannix who was paying all his bills and right. her husband was the, problem solver for a whole bunch of people that were in the movie business. And when he decided to marry somebody else, she'd bought him a car. She'd bought him a house. Actually, the other guy had actually paid for it all. And he was okay because he was running around with every starlet he could run around with. Right. But when he kind of made her look silly, I don't think this guy liked it very much. Right. Because wasn't she married? She was, she was, yeah, it was like a was weird married. kind of. She, yeah. They had, a, they had an open marriage. His name was Eddie Mannix and he was, you know, he can't, I think he was from New York or Chicago and he was like a well-known fixer and a lot of the stuff that he fixed, he fixed permanent. So, <laughs> yes. you know, yeah. So I, I think Eddie Mannix probably had him done in. Well, let me tell you what is, what's that thing? Dead men tell no tales. Oh, that is very true. Well, they was, as a matter of fact, the book I just read, I want to give you guys a little blurb because, by the way, you can go to Amazon and it's going to, it's up for sale. It'll be released officially in a week, September 9th. Uh, again, Hot Dame on a Cold Slab Film Noir Murders Number Two. I'm going to give you a little story, a little story from it. And it just so happens it occurred 
there in that Benedict Canyon area, whatever. And this was back in the 1920s, which of course, all these people that had just developed Hollywood land, because that's what it was called back then, um, they were making a lot of money and building these beautiful houses up there, up on the, all these steep canyons. There was one guy, his name was Mr. White, and he had built this beautiful house, but he ran into financial troubles, even though he was in the movie industry. And about two years after, he lost it to foreclosure. Now, what happens is that all his neighbors kept complaining that people were going in there and having these big parties. But I'm not talking about a party. I'm talking about women screaming, gunshot, you name it. So as you could tell, the neighbors weren't really that happy until one day um, that there's a huge fire that basically, you know, that's it. Nothing's left of the house. And so one of the neighbors told police, hey, I saw two guys run from the building and then it burst into flames and then they took off in separate cars down the road. Well, a few months later, there's a guy from the electric company laying down a line and he stumbles on a skeleton. Bottom line, they start doing a murder investigation. And then for some reason, it's like they caught up with Mr. White and they said, basically what they were inferring was that this was being used as a part-time Remember, this is the time of prohibition, all that other stuff that basically it was being used as a gambling, illegal hooch, uh, prostitution place, that house. Um, and then from one day to the next, they dropped the case. They went from a murder case, hey, somebody murdered a girl here, and the neighbors were saying that somebody had screamed. And they said, nah, one of the neighbors planted this skull there. And by the way, I'm giving you the abridged version of the story planted this uh, skull there because they were mad at him because he basically was making too much noise even though he had left the place and there's no murder here. Even though they found uh, furniture with bloodstains on it and things like that. My point being, there was a lot of wild stuff going on in that area. What, maybe in for the 100 years? Because we're right up to the 100 year mark right now. Well, um, you, do, you do know the other real famous thing that happened in Benedict Canyon was uh, John Holmes when they murdered the people up on Wonderland. Yes, yes, the Wonderland killings. God, that was pretty dark. Yeah, when pretty... you four people get beat to death with iron pipes. Yeah, that's... What was that, in the 1970s? I think it might have been a little later than that, even. Okay, yeah, I lose kind of like... I know that it's in that... Um, and have you ever been to any of those houses to investigate, Rick? I have tried to get into Wonderland a bazillion times. No, uh, no luck. No, but I have been into, and they will not let you into the Superman house on Benedict Canyon. They just, nobody gets in there. Uh, I have been to other houses in Benedict Canyon mm -hmm. uh, that are famous that one of the things so that I got to go into ghost hunt is I had to promise not to tell anybody whose house it was. Um, but it was a very famous magician. They say stayed there a lot. Uh, <laughs> okay. Hmm. Yeah, that one. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually got a uh, uh, EVP from that place that actually took me about five or six years to actually find out what it really said. It's only like six seconds long. Me and one of my guys, not not Kane or Ra, another one of my group, um, we went walking into the basement of this room, and a huge black shape went across the wall. Well, 
I'm 6'4 and 240. The other guy is 6'3 and about 280. So we can cast a shadow, right? So we kept going in and out of the door. We couldn't create any kind of shadow, much less a big one like we'd seen. Well, we get in there, and I'd been walking all day. So I went over, and there was two beds, and I put the uh, K2 meter and the voice recorder on the bed, and I walked about maybe eight feet and sat down on the futon. Well, the other guy, Ed, picks up the K2 meter, and he walks into the bathroom, and as he's walking, he says, I'm going to get a base reading. And when I got home and I was listening to it, I hear him say, I'm going to get a base reading, and then you hear, no. I mean, very clear. Right? Well, about five or six years later, I'm in uh, Ros right next to Roslyn Chapel and Roslyn Castle in the middle of the night with some people from England ghost hunting. And we're out there by the cemeteries. And the guy goes, do you ever get any good EVPs? I said, yeah, listen to this one. So he listened. He goes, holy cow, that's the best one I've ever heard. And I said, well, the note's pretty cool. He goes, no, what it says before that. And I'm like, what? <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, what do you mean it says something before that? And he goes, yeah, it says four words before that. And I said, I, I, I've never heard that. I've played this for 100 people. And he goes, trust me, mate. He says, when you get back to your thing, put on headphones and crank it up. You'll hear it. And I said, well, what does it say? And he told me, and when I went back, it is clear as a bell what it's saying, but it's really low, right? So I, I'd never heard it. But uh, what it actually says is you hear him say, I'm going to get a base reading. And he starts going in the bathroom right then. And then you hear get back here, punk. And then, what? no. Yeah, and then, no. So that spirit actually threw us out of that house because I was getting the K2 answers. And, you know, I mean, it was like instant. I mean, this was, and finally I said, do you want us to stay? <laughs> Nothing. So then I said, do you want us to leave? Five lights. I mean, as high as, high as it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That so then I said, to again, I always double check everything. I said, all right. Do you really want us to leave? Five lights again, right? And Ed looked at two. And finally, I said, "All right, last time you do five lights. Right now, we'll leave." Bam! Five lights, right? So Ed goes, "What are we going to do?" I said, "We're going to leave." I promised him I would. So we walked out. We walked into where the uh, voice recorder was sitting, and I picked it up. And right then, the lights go flashing off again. I said, "Are you trying to tell us to leave?" So we went upstairs. Yeah, so we went upstairs, and there was a guy there that was writing a story about this house from the newspaper. And they asked, how was it? How was it? I said, well, spirit threw us out of there. And the guy goes, well, you know, he says, I'd love to see something like that. I said, Ed, take him back down. I said, I'd leave. You guys go. So they go down about 15 minutes later. I said, how was it? And he goes, he threw us out too. <laughs> so, I mean, ask you something. Did did it correspond to like the known haunting or the ghost or whoever was there? Did it correspond? Uh, we were able to figure out who it probably was. Okay. okay? Uh, by asking questions. And when right. we had first gone in there, they told us that they used to have a quartz mine on the property. Now, everybody in ghost hunting knows that it just holds energy like you can't yeah. believe. Yes. Um, but anyway, as we were asking, was it this famous magician? No. Was it his wife? No. Was it the guy who owns the building? No. You know, and then finally, you know, dawned on us. I um, might have been Ed said it, said, are you a miner? Boom, five uh, lights. You know, went all five lights. So I asked again, and, and Ed's looking at me, and I asked the same question again. And then when I got to the miner, it went off again. And I just looked at him, I said, we always double check, right? Yeah. So after that, we were pretty sure we were talking to the miner. 
And uh, yeah, he he's kind of a grumpy individual. <laughs> well, you know what? And from what I understand, especially minors, you know, they were very secretive. And like you said about their claims and because they could, they could get stuff taken away from them. So that fits in right with the uh, he's a minor guy, like telling everybody to get out of there. Yeah, well, I think this this mine was probably like a company mine instead of they were looking for gold or something. They were actually, right. I believe, they're digging up the quartz. You know, well, that's still the take. Uh, not, you you never you never even know about that. You know, there there's a. Let me tell you something. If you look at some of the history of these, you know, especially as we went out west for the uh, these mining camps that were built around, you know, whenever they discovered a mine of any type. Let me tell you something, a lot of uh, really, uh, it was um, no laws. Everything was every man for himself out there. Well, a good portion of the miners back in the early days were murdered. I believe it. You I know, believe just it. because if they started to find stuff, somebody else killed them. Yes, so, exactly. Um, yes. I mean, that was the same thing with Tombstone. Tombstone was, you know, they found silver. And the guy that told him, he says, if you're going to try buying it out here with the Indians and the people around here, he says, uh, the only thing you're going to find is your tombstone. And that's why he ended up naming it that. I did not so, know that. Yeah, that's where that city came from. I, I go there a lot. And uh, matter of fact, I just I just found something by accident. I was going over some old tape. Mm -hmm. And I'd, I'd been lucky enough to have Billy Hunley, who owned the birdcage, give me a private ghost hunt. You know, okay. so, so I got to go to a lot of stuff that other people don't see and we'd gone downstairs to the brothel room uh which also was where the poker tables were and they had the world's longest poker game and i believe it lasted without stopping over three years what yeah more people would pop in somebody get up somebody else would right. get in. but lots of people got shot in this place I so i went down i put my camera up and turned it on and i said while i was saying i said did you die here right didn't hear anything. I said, did you kill somebody here? And it still didn't hear anything. So I went upstairs and I was ghost hunting up there. And when I came back downstairs with Billy Hunley, Billy was saying something and another voice comes in, a man's voice comes in and said, I had to. So, yeah, when he said I had to, I mean, obviously he was saying, you know, answering the question, did you kill somebody? You know. um, right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And sometimes I imagine these entities, if they're intelligent, if not, it's, if it's not a residual. They're they're living the life that they knew. They 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 respond to the life that that they knew of, which is, hey, over here, you got to be watching your back. You got to grow eyes in the back of your head, yeah. because if it's not, they want to take your money, or they want to kill you, or vendettas. I mean, God, there's a lot of, what was it? Uh, while Bill Hickok, he got shot in the back, you know, over in Deadwood. Same yeah. thing, you know, when you least expect it. wanted to be famous, shot him in the back of the head. Right. And he got hung for his troubles. But still, it's um, a lot of those things sometimes, or like people don't realize, you know how you see these, uh, some of these Western movies where everybody looked that wanted to basically kill or, you know, if somebody developed a reputation for being a gunslinger. Yeah. There was always somebody that wanted to take him out so that they could say, I took out so-and-so because basically you lived off your reputation. Well, you, you know what, though? that That's not really historically accurate. Um, according to the experts, there's only really known uh, six real gunfights where they stepped out in the street together. Yeah, like the we're going to draw down on each other. Like thing yeah. that I mean, most, most of the gunfights, somebody was shot in the back. Right. You know, yeah. The ones where they actually went out in the middle of the street, you know, at high noon and shot it out. The, the first one was the famous one. And that was 
uh, Wild Bill Hickok and uh, can't remember the other guy's name, the guy who took his watch. They used to be friends, and he took his watch because he said uh, uh, Hickok owed him money, and Hickok says, don't you dare walk into the into the street with my watch. So the next day, the guy, you know, Hickok wasn't famous yet. Right. And the guy came out wiggling the watch around like that, and they both liked the same girl. So <laughs> Hickok, just, Hickok just walked out, and they're 75 yards away. Now, if you know anything about pistols, you know, they're they're not accurate from a long distance, right? Mm-hmm. But the, this guy pulled his gun and took a shot at uh, Wild Bill Hickok, and Wild Bill Hickok took one shot, hit him right in the heart, and killed him. So after that, that that's where his reputation came from. It was like, right. wow, don't mess with Hickok; he'll shoot you from like four miles away. You know? Well, so, um, what also people don't realize that out there, some of these towns were so wild that nobody wanted to be sheriff. So sometimes they would get people that used to be gunslingers or basically on the other side of the law, that's who they would have to end up hiring as sheriffs. Oh, that was, that happened a lot. I mean, people don't, people don't really realize that Wyatt Earp was kind of a, yeah, (laughs) he wasn't always on the right side of the law before he became, you know, one of the sheriffs and he wasn't actually the sheriff. His, his brother Virgil was the sheriff, right? Uh And then Morgan was a, was a uh, deputy. And then when the stuff really hit the hit, hit the fan, you know, that uh, Wyatt stepped in. But Wyatt had actually been one of the sheriffs of Dodge City before he came right. over. So Right. But they people don't realize that some of these places were so wild that your regular man didn't want it. And they would be desperate because they needed, uh, you know, if it was a cattle town or mining town, they needed somebody that knew what he was doing to keep all these wild guys in control. So they would be willing to hire somebody that was on the other side of the law a few months before. Yeah, as long well, as you, like, you know, if you go, if you happen to go to Tombstone, anybody that mm-hmm. is thinking about going to Tombstone, go see Boot Hill, and you'll see an entire row. Angie's list is now Angie, and caring for your home just got easier. Whether you need help with routine maintenance or a dream remodel, Angie makes it easy to see reviews, compare quotes, and connect with top local pros who can get the job done right. Plus, you can see upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. No phone tag, just the work you need done at a time that works for you. Angie's got your to-do list covered from start to finish. Book your next home project today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. Yeah, you'll see an entire row of people, and all it says on the marker, unknown, 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 with the date. And most of them were like 1880, 1881, and that was a real tough time in Tombstone, I guess. Yeah, yes, it was. Uh, a, a lot of uh, that, you know, as much as, you know, you see, you know, some of these Westerns, they don't really portray, some of them are, but some, how gritty life was out there in some of these places, as far as... uh you know, to make a living. And, and even uh, Wyatt Earp, he, from then on, after Tombstone, you know, after the, I mean, after the, the showdown at the OK Corral, he just, he always uh, had, uh, he was always involved in gambling and he owned a couple of mines, but he. he well, he actually went to Alaska for mining and, and he owned right. a lot of, 
and he owned a bunch of saloons along the mm -hmm. way. And him and Josie were going along. And fortunately, Josie's family had some money to, you know, when they ran into some, some troubles. But yeah. I mean, they, they, they stayed together for 47 years until he died. Right. Right. But you know, she had a bad gambling addiction, right? Well, I think he did too. Well, from what I understand though, she was a little bit worse. <laughs> he was, yeah. and he would be like having to bail her out constantly behind the scenes. You know, it was, um, but yeah, it was one of those things that, yeah, they were, they had a bunch of adventures after afterwards, the rest of their life together, they went off and, like you said, they, they went off what was it to the Yukon and a bunch of places. A well, really do, you want, life. do you want to hear something really interesting about Wyatt Earp? What? Well, a couple of things. First off, he uh, he was an advisor for Western movies out here in Hollywood, and one of the uh, young guys who was actually a, a prop guy, you know, he helped move props and stuff, became friends with him, uh -huh. and. and after he got famous, he said, I learned everything I did about being a cowboy from Wyatt Earp. And it was John Wayne. Really? Wow. This was wow. Because this guy was a real, in other words, Wyatt Earp, he wasn't a made up cowboy. He wasn't a Hollywood oh, he was, cowboy. He was a real deal. Um, he was a real deal. But here's the real interesting thing. He was being interviewed. And the guy says, tell me the true story about the gunfight at the OK Corral. And Wyatt Earp looks at him and he goes, suppose, and drop dead. So he never got to figure out when he said suppose. God, I was going to say no. Yeah, I never heard the rest <laughs> no. of the he, he died before he could say the rest of the story. Wow. So, I mean, I, you know that, um, you know, when the two movies came out, the Tombstone and the other one with uh, Wyatt Earp, that they kind of came out at the same time. Even though the one with Kurt Russell Tombstone, I want to say, kind of gets more popular, but I think, I, much, I think it's much more popular, actually. Yeah, right. Uh, do you think it's the acting, or I mean, or were they both accurate? I know that's like I know sometimes they do insert things for dramatic purposes, but well, the, any movie that you see pretty much stretches the truth a little bit to make the the story better. Mm -hmm. But the, the, the fact is that a lot of people don't know, because I, I go to Tombstone many times because I'm actually interested in all that stuff. And a lot of people don't realize that when they went down to disarm those guys, you know, and everybody goes, well, it was four against three, right? Because there was four of the herb group and there was three. There was the two, two McClowries and, and um, Billy Clanton. Right. And, well, what happened was when they got there, there was Ike Clanton, there was Billy, and there was two other guys. So it was actually either six or seven against four. But Ike and the two other guys ran. So yeah, then it ended up being four against three, but it started out seven against four. So a lot of people said, well, they were, you know, picking on everybody. It was like, no, they, they were outnumbered when they got there. You know, but when the stuff started hitting the fan, they everybody else ran. Exactly. Actually, you know, for the ghost hunting people out there, I decided to do something. Uh, last time I was down in, in Tombstone, mm -hmm. uh, the uh, actual gunfight is not where they say it was. It's very close, but it's most of the, the, the death and everything else happened out on the street behind the OK Corral. Okay. So I actually went out there and I was standing on the spots where two of the people died trying to get some, you know, some activity. They didn't get anything, but I mean, I don't know how many people have actually gone and done that at the right 
Yes. Well, as a matter of fact, one of the tour guides came by and he goes, he looks and he goes, ah, he says, uh, don't see this much. You know where the guys actually fell. I said, yeah, one right here, one over there. And he says, yeah. And he says, you get anything? I said, not really. No. So. I know there's, there's things that sometimes that basically it's not an intelligent haunting. It's what I call it. It imprints the fabric of the place. If it, but usually that's something either really extremely violent or in most cases something that happened a lot over a long you know, period of time. That's why you get these residual hauntings like certain smells or people going up and down the steps. But it's not intelligent. It's just something that was very repetitive. Mm -hmm. But every once in a while you will get that area of what you just said where something that's very, I kind of say, energy, if you want to call it that, that's put out in an instant doesn't print itself even if there is no intelligence behind it um yeah, i think that just replays over and over and people see right it. exactly it's like a loop thing yeah um, let me ask him rick have you ever gone to work somewhere not really ghost hunting not not expecting you're going to run into something and have had an experience a paranormal experience uh, actually i have um and it wasn't that i ran into it i actually uh seeked it out okay. i was on Studio, which once again they won't let me say, but uh, boy, some people just you know they protect their their name real real well. Uh huh. We were shooting in this studio, and uh, I asked the security guard. I said, "This place is known to be haunted." He goes, "Yeah, the second floor right up here is real haunted." I said, "Can I go up there?" And he goes, "Yeah, go ahead." Right. So I asked a couple of the actors, and they went, "No, oh, no, 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 we're not going." So the uh, makeup girl. Over overheard what I was saying, and she went with me. And we went up there, and the, the second floor was very active. As soon as we walked up, you know, the it was all dark up there, and you could see the door at the end of the hallway where the light was coming through the door and under the door. Mm -hmm. And while we we're standing there, I started asking if anybody was there. I had my K2 meter out in the voice recorder, and we saw the foot footsteps go in front of the door and a huge black mask go with it. So I just turned around and I looked at her. I said, did you see that? And she goes, the big black shape in the footprint, foot, the, you know, the feet underneath it. I said, yeah. She goes, yeah, I saw it. So then we heard voices coming from down there. And there's nobody down there. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, two meters just going off the charts, right? So then we hear two people come up behind us. And it's actually a different security guard and one of the guys on the show, you know, one of the actors. Okay. And this guy comes up and he goes, what are you doing? I said, we're just doing some ghost hunting. And he goes, yeah, you know, he says, the other guy said you were up here. I don't believe in no ghosts. And, you know, he's, I actually have it on video, but I can't show anybody, you know, because part of the agreement not to sh show where we were. Right. But uh, he starts and he goes, yeah, what have you seen anything? I said, well, we saw a big black shape. We've been hearing voices. He goes, what's that thing you're holding? I said, well, if it lights up, that's indication that there may be a spirit right near it. Right. And he goes, I'm not afraid of no ghost. And the thing goes all five lights. And just instantly after that, you hear both of them running down the stairs. <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious. They both turned and ran. Like, like, okay, you know, yeah, like all right. Famous down. last words. Yeah, and then the, and the little makeup girls just hanging right in there, you know. Yeah, some of the, um, you know, where we had something like that. I, I I went to the. I don't know if you ever been up. It's an upstate New York Rolling Hill Sanitarium. Oh, you know, was, I've never been there. They we, they have up the. There, this is the one where they've had a sighting of a guy that was dropped off there when he was a teenager, but he was, you know, one of these gigantic is that they're, they, they, they have a. Yeah. I know the problem. story. The seven foot guy. Yeah. Right. And uh, we went upstairs 
and we were doing work with the flashlights and we saw something like what you said where we saw they, they had like a, a sunroom up there you know on part of it and they had those swing doors and we saw something like what you're describing uh that shadow that black shadow you know it's like everybody looks at one another like you can tell everybody's like did you you know you don't even have to ask because everybody's seeing it you know trying to see if everybody else reacted to it um yeah. and sometimes you know you know sometimes you hear about what they call shadow people or something malevolent and then other times i think that sometimes when you see a dark shadow it doesn't necessarily have to be a shadow person it's just that this is the best that that entity can manufacture at that point i agree okay. with that it's just well, an I, will, I, will, I will tell you something though um just to make sure we can get into it uh, uh -huh. because it's actually fascinating uh i do go to uh scotland and ireland and england especially mm -hmm. scotland a lot because okay. i love to go to the castles i go every year for a month uh i haven't got to go the last two years obviously because of, of corona um but the difference in ghost hunting over there to here is the intensity i mean they're more intense much much more intense than here okay i mean and much more receptive and the people are much more receptive everybody in scotland believes in ghosts okay right um and there's all these beautiful castles you can go to matter of fact on that tour what you were saying you know in the intro mm -hmm. Uh, we're going to go to three very famous castles to ghost hunt, which most people can never get into. Um, but boy, the, the intensities of the the uh, occurrences over there are just off the chart. And I mean, if you're really into ghost hunting, and this isn't wow. say come on my tour, go to Scotland. <laughs> I mean, you know, people don't realize they did a lot of horrible things to those people in those castles. I mean, oh, besides geez. the actual living, you know, the, just the day to day, God, they were throwing people in dungeons and oblets and well, you name well, it. Actually, they were very, very brutal. Yeah. And, and the reason they were brutal is because the English were trying to force their will on them all the time and trying to uh, bust up the clan system. So um, I actually ghost hunted one place where there was uh, 38,000 people duked it out right there next to Roslyn Chapel. Wow. And, uh, the whole night I was there, I did not get a single blip, nothing, 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 no, no, no uh, recordings, no feelings of anything, no shadows, anything. And we're out in this huge field, uh, mm -hmm. probably for about three hours, me and this other guy. And what I wrote in the book, um, I said, you know, when I found out nothing happened, you know, there was no spirits around. Instead of being sad, I was actually happy that all these guys that died in battle went to where they were supposed to go. Right, you because... Know? Back then, people don't realize battle was hand-to-hand -hand combat. Oh yeah, you could tell you could tell what the guy you were fighting with had for lunch. I mean, it was well, that. Yeah. a lot of a lot of them too were not fighting. You see a lot of you know the long broadswords and everything else. Most of the Scots people were didn't have swords. They were actually farmers, and they would come out with scythes and rakes, whatever they could get. You know, right. if they killed uh, some of the other soldiers, then they had swords. Right, exactly, because they picked up the the well, whatever was left on, you know, picked yeah. it up and used it. But even then, they weren't, they really weren't, how can I say, trained to use them per se. Yeah. Um, it was just a warm body. Uh, let me ask you, they, they were tough. I mean, the 8,000 uh, Scottish people routed the 30,000 English. I mean, they, and they had, they had this one guy that showed up for the battle, and then another group showed up for the battle. They're not sure positive, but they think it, that's what happened. 
But the the first group that showed up was the Knights Templar. Okay. Because, because they were after the guy uh, named William St. Clair, who was mm -hmm. very big in the Templars and built Rosalind Castle later on. Um, right. But uh, it, the second guy that showed up, he just came up with a whole bunch of guys and said, you know, I heard there there's a fight between, you know, us and the English. We just wanted to join. And they were like, and who are you? And he goes, well, my name's William Wallace. So, you know, the guy from Braveheart. So here comes William Wallace into the fight. And he was already very famous for the battle at Sterling Bridge when he, uh, they took out a huge um, English thing with much less guys just by outsmarting them. So he was already super well known. Just the only thing is, nobody knew what anybody looked like back in the old days. Right. Unless they met him before, you know? So. Right. Let me tell you something, though, that that whole thing that I think the worst was the way he was executed. William Wallace in the end. That's oh. pretty horrible. Back then, that was like, oh. well, well, if you saw the movie, it doesn't come close to what they actually did to him. No, I know. I know they 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 kind of show his his dead wife coming through the crowd. And I was like, I don't think that's what was happening with him at that moment. <laughs> they actually quartered him and cut his head off and they put his head on uh, the yeah. uh, on London Bridge. Oh, and they, didn't, didn't they disembowel yeah. him first? They, well, what they did is they first off they emasculated him, as they like to say. Which oh, is, oh, oh, that I didn't know he got castrated. Whoa. Yeah, he got castrated. He got castrated of everything. Uh, you know, castration is only usually one part. They just took everything. Uh, and what they did is they cut him open and they took his entrails out, mm -hmm. threw him into the fire, right, uh, into right. a cauldron. I think it was. It was on fire. And when it started smoking and stuff, they put him back in. Oh my God! I did not. Yeah, know so that they, part. yeah, they just they tortured the living daylights out of that guy, but then they they put one of his arms up at Sterling, Sterling Bridge, and they you know they sent his body parts around it to scare off the Scots people, which had one hundred percent the opposite effect. Oh, people don't realize this is called psychological warfare. It's exactly like what you said. The, the idea well, that they did it is like, hey, this is what happened to him. It could happen to you, too. That kind well, of you thing. know what it is? There are some people in the world that you can bitch slap, and then there's other ones that will just rip your head off if you do that. And that's The Scottish people are, were tremendous warriors. I mean, they would mm -hmm. fight massive armies with rakes and, and you know shovels and scythes and stuff like that and rob them you know, just because they weren't used to the close battle. You know, right. and these guys, when they got in there, I mean, it was just like, I'll pluck your eye out. You know, <laughs> they were. Well, the, the, let me tell you something. And um, the uh, that's what, what I'm saying. I, I know that I've heard a lot of stories, not only in Scotland, but in all these areas where they had these pitch battles uh, with that hand to hand combat where they have uh, people have all of a sudden basically witnessed like a, a, a segment of the battle, like all of a sudden they're in the middle of it. That, that happens a lot. You know where it happens a lot? Gettysburg. Yes, I've been to Gettysburg. I've been to Gettysburg. Gettysburg. A lot of people have seen and heard like cannon shots and, and seen like soldiers marching and fighting and things like that. Yes. But, yeah, there's Scotland is so intense in the in the strength of the hunt. You know, when you're ghost hunting, anything that you get. I mean, it's actually I got one that was really interesting. Uh, it's actually if you go to ghostbelieveinme.com. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. First things up there is a thing about my book, and then there's a thing underneath it about the tour. But the very last thing on on the thing about the book is a picture where I'm sitting in uh, 
Balgoni Castle in, in England, or not England, in Scotland. And there's a Frank's box, which I'm sure ghost people know. It's like a spirit box on steroids. Frank, uh, uh, Thomas Edison actually invented it. He called it the telephone to the dead. But I'm sitting there, and you can just hear me say, is there anything in the castle that we should be uh, afraid of? And it comes back instantly with a Scottish accent. It goes, the energy. So it's like, yeah. And it's and that's that's on the little thing about the book. It's the last piece. So, yeah, I mean, you can actually see that. But, yeah, the – well, by the way, I, I didn't tell you this. My, my book won Book of the Year, Paranormal Awards Book of the Year. Oh, really? Congratulations. I didn't know that. Congratulations. Well, you know what? I didn't know it either. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody contacted me. I didn't know a thing about it until I was on a show and somebody goes, congratulations about your book. And everybody says that when you write a book. Right. right? I think they say it more to me because they, they're surprised that I can even read a book, much less write one. Right. <laughs> but uh, I said, yeah, thank you. And he goes, no, that's a pretty good award. You know, the Paranormal Awards Book of the Year. And I said, what? And he goes, yeah, didn't you know that? I said, no, send me a link. And he sent me a link. And I mean, like, there's some pretty darn good people in there. There's like Elizabeth Saint. There's uh, Nick Groff. There's Kindred Spirits won the show of the year uh -huh. in my book. And then I asked somebody, I said, did they have any other books nominated? Did I win by default or what? Yeah, yeah. And did I win by default? And they said, no, there's a lot of them. And then, then I saw the list. There was a whole bunch of them. So that I was pretty proud of that. That's great. That's, yeah. funny. Well, that's funny you find out from somebody else. Nobody I had no clue. I didn't know a thing about it. <laughs> You, you think they would have sent me an email or something, you know? Well, that's what I'm thinking. It's like, congratulations, your book. And it's like, somebody forgot to do that. Yeah, but it, it's, uh, it's I was cool. going to ask you, Rick, I know you mentioned something about Leap Castle in Ireland. Have you ever been there? Because whatever oh, yeah, is there scares yes. I've never been there. And I read about it, and I'm like, that's the one entity I would not like to cross paths well, with. Well, I have to tell you, if you're going to go that way, you cannot call it Leap Castle. I know, I know. It's an, I know. I'm. I know. I'm killing the name of it. I know. No, it's everybody over there. It's Lep. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm, Lep Castle. Uh, I know. The, the last story in my book um, is something that no one would ever believe, and what I actually have done in my book, which I think is was pretty smart. I don't know how I thought of it, but it's pretty smart. Uh, when anything really intense happened, if anybody else saw it too, I let them right. put in their version of what happened. So it's just not me telling a story because, frankly, any author can say anything they want, right? I can make the most tremendous story of just by making it up. But right. by having somebody else say what happened while they were there, that gives it a, a validity. But uh, what happened at Lep Castle, uh, I don't want to really go into it so much because it's the best story in the book. But at the very, the very end, uh, and I do not... I mean, if you look at my face, you'll see that I'm not making this up or anything else. I'm positive I came within just a couple minutes of being dead. Okay. So let me yeah. ask. That there, is there, that there is an elemental spirit there? Yeah, but it, it wasn't that. It wasn't that. Uh, it was actually something from the place we'd just been earlier, the Hellfire Club. You and went to the Hellfire Club? And what, yeah. somebody hitchhiked with you? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yes, so spirit decided to uh, glom on to me because I, I'm really open to spirits. Okay. You know, I try, I try and invite them to me, and every once in a while it backfires. Okay. Just backfired big time. Oh, my God. No, you can't do that. You gotta well, go. I, can, I can tell you what happened. Oh, I mean, tell the story. Tell the story. I, I, hear, I thought you were going to tell me that the – 
the the sheep looking that. elemental at Lup Castle? No, one the elemental had, had nothing to do with it. Um, okay, let's hear that story, please. When we were at Hellfire Club, two of the guys kept two of the Scottish paranormal guys kept saying, "Man, I'm getting a pain behind my right eye," and then it went away for them. Okay. We get driving to Lep Castle, and we're supposed to be there like at midnight, and we get there about eleven o'clock. So we park out on the road because they have a party inside the castle going on, like a dance and stuff. So we're parked out on this long road in the middle of nowhere, and. Uh, you know, exactly what you'd think, a cold, windy night, you know, it's all dark, little moonlight, everything, you know, really cool ghost hunting atmosphere. Well, we all get out of the car because, you know, it takes, you know, an hour and a half or so to get from Hellfire Club and everybody went over to use the bushes, right, right. except me. I'm standing out by the car and it's, it's cold and windy and I'm kind of liking it. I grew up in Chicago. It's like, yeah, this feels great. I'm so used to California. This is this is fun. So. The other guys say, come on, get in the car. I said, no, I'm going to stay out here and get some cool air. This is, this is nice. I'll be in there in a minute or two. And I'm standing there, and all of a sudden, the way I described it to people, it felt like a spear went through my right eye and out the back of my head to the point that I got feel like it. Go <laughs> oh. I actually I grabbed my eye, and water was just pouring out of it. And my knees buckled. like I, I almost got knocked out just because of the pain. It was horribly painful, right? And okay. I started staggering back and holding my eye. And my first thought was my eyeball exploded. Where'd all this fluid come from and everything else, right? And the pain. Well, I looked down at the ground and I'm staggering. And I just said to myself, I said, you know what? I've been doing stunts for 40 years. You know how to fall down. Go down now while you can control it. Okay. Right? So I just started to go down and heard a voice in my head says, if you hit the ground, you'll never get up. So being the smart guy that I am, I switched gears and staggered back to the car and grabbed onto it. And one of the guys from Scottish Paranormal saw me staggering around. He came running out and grabbed me, took me behind the car, and gave me some water. And in his story, he put me behind the car so no other cars could hit me. But we were out; we didn't see another car the whole time we were out there. But it was cool that he did that. And he says, "Come on, get in the car." I said, "No, man, I'm I'm really wobbly. Leave me out here. Let the cold try and revive me." So he gets back in the car, and then his story picks it up because I didn't know what happened. He says, "We looked out. We're looking in the mirrors and stuff. We didn't see where he was." Right. So he opened up the door and they found me. I had one hand on the car hanging on for dear life. And I was like almost, you know, flopping over. Uh -huh. and, and he said I was like as white as a piece of paper and couldn't breathe. He says, because when he got near me, you could hear me going, <clears throat> you know, trying to breathe. So he helped me up and they got me in the car and we drove to the front of the castle. Right. And by this time, people were coming out and everything else. And they said, all right, let's go. And I said, guys, leave me in the car. Just leave me lay here because I'm in no shape to get up and move. Well, they said, okay, we'll come back and check on you. I said, okay. So I'm sitting in the car, and Castle's on this side, and, of course, I'm on the left side, passenger side, because they, they, they drive on the other side of the car. Um, and I'm just sitting there, and all of a sudden, my, my vision started doing this back and forth. Oh, right? okay. And I'm like, oh, this isn't a good sign. Right? And then, nice. you know the thing, the iris, where the, the, the old-time movies where it went whoop? Yeah. Matter of fact, they used to do it in cartoons where they go, "That's all. That's all, folks." Whoop, you know. Uh huh. So instantly, I said, "I'm dying." Right. My vision's going. This is going right. Right. You're gonna pass out, or like. I yeah, guess and I'm just I'm laying there, you know, leaning back, and from here down, the the only way I can describe it that people will understand is if you've ever been on an airplane and flushed the toilet, how it goes. Whoosh, I felt all my energy go, 
out of me. And I was just laying there. I couldn't even move. And my, everything was blurry. And I, I was like, and I got this super peaceful feeling come over me. So then I went, now I'm positive I'm dying. Right. Uh -huh. And I just, I don't know why. I, did, I just said out loud, I said, you know what? I've got to do a lot of things other people haven't. I've got to go a lot of places people never get to go. Today's my day. I'm okay with it. And I just sat there and waited, you know, say, you know, this this is about it, right? Um, and all of a sudden, I felt my energy start coming back. And after about 15 minutes, I was like, you know, my vision was cleared up. And I'm like, wow. And the guys came out and they said, come on, come on out of the car. I said, yeah, help me out. So we get out and I go and I sit down in the castle for about a half an hour. And after that, I felt fine and went ghost hunting. But the hook of the whole thing mm -hmm. is one of the guys from, from Scottish Paranormal calls me up and he goes, you're not going to believe. Well, you know what else he told me? When the first time he saw me hanging off the car, he said the first thing he thought, he says, if Rick falls to the ground, he'll never get up, which is exactly the same thing I heard. Okay. Right? So that was kind of cool. But this guy calls me up and he goes, you're not going to believe this. And I said, what? He goes, I just found out two guys had a duel with the Hellfire Club. One guy got shot through the right eye and died. Oh. So so now I know what happened. Wow. That guy glommed on to me and went with me. And I think the only reason that I didn't finish off, you know, toes up in front of the castle mm -hmm. is that the spirit went, oh, no, 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 no. I just wanted to, show, you know, tell my story. I didn't know. I don't want this to happen. Backed off. You know, I think if he would have hung in with me, that probably would have been it. So thank That's you, spirit. Nice of you to realize what was going on. But uh, wow. yeah. Let me ask you, have you ever been to Glam? I want to pronounce this correctly because I've been spanked before for saying it the wrong way. Glam's Castle? In Glamis. Glamis. I think I, that somebody told me, no, it's not Glamis, it's Glams. And I'm like, I, yeah. G-L-A-M-M-I-S, <laughs> Glamis. Yes, I right. have been there. And uh, actually what was funny is I was sitting with there and we were actually, we went in during the daytime. You uh -huh. know, we paid to get in and everything else. And they were, they take you on a tour. You, They don't let you walk around. And we're sitting in this one room. It looked like it was probably a chapel. And I looked over and I said to one of my friends, I said, I just saw a gray shadow go down the wall. Right. And he goes, really? And I said, yeah. And then uh, a little while later, the guy goes, yeah. He says, a lot of people here see the gray lady. And I just looked oh. at my friend. He looks at me and I was like, okay. But yeah, it was pretty spectacular. But we didn't really get a chance to go something. But I did see something there. So yeah, because that's uh, another one that's got a quite a reputation as being haunted. Yeah, spectacular castle. I'm not sure if that's on the list of uh, the places we're going to go visit on the okay. tour. Because I, I haven't that. looked at it for a while. But it, um, if you go to ghostbelieveinme.com, mm -hmm. they have all the, everything, the accommodations, everything is in there. So you can tell where, where it is and everything else like that. Let me ask but, you something, Rick. When you Right now, when you were describing that, you were thinking, okay, you were thinking, that's it. I'm done. Um, when you felt so bad. Not have you ever had a near death experience because of your stunt work? No, no, I've had really, I've had near how oh, that really hurt, <laughs> <laughs> and that's it's like okay, but that I'm still really alive. No, I've actually done some things that I'm really lucky I didn't get really badly hurt. I mean, when I went off the hood of a car going 20 miles an hour head first into steel barrels, that just oh, knocked man. the hell out of me. I did another one in a movie called Project Metal Beast where I went ran off a mini tramp, went upside down backwards into a steel door, and the door was going to kick me back. I was doubling Barry Bostwick, 
if you okay. didn't. And I hit the wall, and I had hit it a few times just practicing, and it bounced me back. Well, when I ran full power and jumped off the mini tramp, I hit it so hard, it went backwards, and I went straight up and down onto my head on the concrete. Oh. Um, so, yeah, I, I've done some things that I could have really, really done some damage to myself. Um, fortunately, yeah, like said, once if you're saying, ow, that hurt, yeah. Yeah, well, people I say, you know, do you ever get injured? I said, no, you, you don't get injured when you're doing stunts. You never tell anybody you get injured. You tell them you got hurt. <laughs> you know, okay. so, that's it, right? Yeah, yeah, that hurt. You don't say I broke my leg or something like that unless you did. You know, usually right, you just right. try and you, you try and say no, I'm okay, and you go in the back and go. That's how the back. Hold, hold that thought. I'll be right back, and then you yeah. have your own private. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you go somewhere and you. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's great. But um, so the. I mean, when you say, have you ever had encounters when I want to say more modern uh, paranormal entities or discarnates or something that basically that you're like, I know this is not, um, how can I say it? Either because of either if you picked up an EVP, you know, the way they speak, how sometimes the, the slang or the jargon, you could tell this is somebody more recent. Well, yeah. Um I've been doing um, pay-per-view ghost hunts with two different groups. One's called Dark Zone TV, and mm -hmm. the other one's Spirit Realm, where they broadcast live the ghost hunts. Okay. And, and I've actually had uh, some weird things happen there. The one with Dark Zone, we were doing the uh, Los Angeles uh, Police Museum. Okay. And there's, there's uh, first off, I was sitting in the front because they had done two days of ghost hunting, and I was coming in on the third day. And they were doing a, a wrap-up of the first two days. So I was sitting out in the front just waiting. And I heard somebody walk by right in front of me. And I'm watching, and there's nobody there. And I can hear the footsteps. It sounds like boo. So I'm like, wow. So when one of the producer guys came out, I said, hey, man, did they ever hear anybody walk by here? I said, I heard somebody walk right by here, right where I'm sitting. And there nobody went by. And he goes, come with me. So he goes up to the girl that's, you know, the girl that runs the place. And he says, uh, Tell Misha what just happened. I said, well, I'm sitting here right there and from right over here to right across there. I could hear very heavy boots, someone walking real loud. And she looks and she goes, that's my office. I told Jay about that before. It happens all the time. I said, well, I just, oh. I said, well, I just heard it. And the next time I went back there, uh, there was nobody in there. And as I'm walking around to this one spot, I hear somebody run. And I mean, loudly up the stairs. I mean, boom, 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 boom. So I took off. And ran up, looked up, and there's nobody there. So, uh, yeah, there's there's some interesting stuff there. But uh, the L.A. the uh, North Hollywood shootout room is ridiculous. The, the the negative energy when you walk in and it like punches you in the face. Really, it's it's really bad. Yeah. Matter of fact, the other people that were there really didn't want to do a, a you know voice recorder session in there. And I didn't blame them because it was just creepier in hell. They had mannequins and everything else. But I went in there and I had actually been at the North Hollywood shootout. I, I did it, but I didn't know it. I was about two blocks away. I just came out of the gym and I heard all the shooting and I see the cop cars all flying around. And I thought it was a movie being filmed. Right. Okay. And I could do all the shooting and the guns going off. And I was like, yeah, cool. Right. So I just went home, didn't stand there and watch. But, um, 
when uh, the one girl, they, they came in, they said, yeah, we'll come back in. You know, this the vibe here is so bad. And I could feel like the aggressiveness coming off. They have two mannequins that are built to look exactly like these. And the the energy, the negative energy coming off, off of was really something. And I just looked, I said, listen, punks, you know, you went out there with automatic weapons and you had armor on and everything else. You're shooting people that, you know, had nothing to do with this. You, you know, as far as I'm concerned, one of you killed yourself. You're nothing but a bunch of cowards, you know. So uh, it was uh, pretty interesting. Matter of fact, one of the produ the lady producer who's really cool, she came up, she goes, boy, you're very protective, aren't you? <laughs> I said, yeah, I just I don't like that. But we went back in there and Susan Slaughter, who is uh, from Ghost Adventures and things like that. Right. And then there was Brandon Alvis, who was also there. He was on Ghost Adventures. And then there was Kristen Lumen from Ghost Lab. All of us went, not, uh, Ghost Mine, actually. Um, mm -hmm. We all went in there and we did the session. And when we played it back, there's this, you know, Susan's playing it back. And one of the things we heard now, everything's open to interpretation, right? Right. But has it been a while since you flipped that thermostat from heat to cool? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services before you do for an $88 AC start and check to make sure your AC is in tip-top shape. Griffith specializes in carrier, but services all brands. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today. Your local carrier expert. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Doggone dependable. Something we all missed in 2020 is traveling. Remember road trips, seeing friends and family, and all the sights and sounds along the way. And of course, road snacks. Mmm, beef jerky. Well, it's time to get back out there. We've earned it. And when you travel with the U.S. Bank Altitude Connect Visa Signature Card, you'll also earn the most from it. So hit the road and take it all in again, from points of interest to points back for how you travel. Earn four times points on travel and at gas stations. And if you book your prepaid hotel or car rental directly in the Altitude Reward Center, you can earn five times points. Plus, you'll earn two times points on groceries, dining, and streaming services. And all other eligible purchases? Yeah, you'll earn points on those too. So start earning more today and connect with 50,000 bonus points, a $500 value when you spend $3,000 within the first 120 days of account opening. Learn more at usbank.com slash altitude connect. The U.S. Bank Altitude Connect Visa Signature Card is issued by U.S. Bank National Association ND. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. I was there when this happened. I mean, I was right down the street. And the thing that I heard, we all looked at each other because we all thought the same thing, right? Okay. First thing that we heard sounded like automatic gunfires, like then we heard boom, boom, which would have been the pistols shooting back because the cops were horrendously outgunned. Uh -huh. You know, these guys had automatic weapons and armor on and stuff like that. And then they were shooting into the crowd. So the cops were trying to protect the people and still fight them. And so, but when, when I heard that, that sound, it was funny. I looked at the camera because this was pay-per-view and I went mm -hmm. like this. I said, all you guys out there on pay-per-view that just heard that, you just got your money's worth. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Like, like how do you yeah. reproduce that? Yeah. I mean. Have you ever been? Have you ever done any any investigation uh, at the Lincoln Heights Jail over in L.A. That I've heard that's pretty haunted. No, I don't. Actually, I think it closed down, but no, it, it's still there. Actually, I've been invited there, uh, yeah. so I will get I will get over there one time. Um, we are going to be doing other ghost hunts around here too, so uh, we'll see what happens. You know, um, fortunately, with the two groups, I mean, there's they're always doing something somewhere. I mean. 
with uh, Dark Zone, I was able to do the Queen Mary on the uh, mm -hmm. Halloween mm -hmm. night. I did the uh, LAPD one with them. I've done like three or four of them with them. Um, and with the other one, Dark, uh, with uh, Spirit Realm, I've done three or four of them. So, um, well, I tell, I, I, some of my audience have heard that once upon a time when I was doing most more ghost hunting, one time we went to a, this was a residential investigation. And, you know, we were waiting because we were all coming in separate, you know, vehicles. So we said, you know, we would just wait outside till everybody was there. But one of the girls, she had come up, she had gone towards the thing. She comes back, she goes, you know, there's two mannequins <laughs> posed in the living room. <laughs> and we're like looking at each other like, what? What do you mean? Like, and we were thinking maybe they were into the fashion industry, you know, or they owned a store. She goes, everything is decorated in black and white. And they've got two mannequins dressed in black and white posed on the living furniture. We're like, oh, it's, we're off to a bad start here. But yeah, I know what you're talking about as far as mannequins sometimes, depending also what happened. And that was a whole different, the haunting was, didn't really have anything to do with the mannequins or anything like that, but it was just a weird vibe that you got from uh, from seeing stuff like that. You know, especially when you realize there's no reason for them to have it. Especially if you happen to walk in and see one. I mean, that's, whoa. <laughs> well, no, exactly. It's like, we when she told us, because we were, we're like, well, but you know, we're thinking again, maybe they own, maybe they own the clothing store. I mean, maybe, and they just put them in the living room because she's like, no, 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 they're dressed and they're dressed in black and white. And one is sitting on the sofa and the other one's like leaning against, and, I, and we're like, what do you mean? She goes, they're like posed. Uh, we're like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it was really funny. <laughs> I did the pre-interview with his family and they seemed normal over the phone. <laughs> yeah, there's some weirdness going on there. Yeah, yeah, I know. That's why I tell everybody. You know, every, I've spoken to, because I've been doing investigations, God, since the 1990s. And, you know, I get a lot of, I do a lot of consulting with people calling me from the groups that know me. And, um, you know, a, a lot of times either for members or people, for people to wanting to join. And I tell them that. You know, that's you know, like normal kind of, and then you get there, and it's like what? <laughs> so that happens quite a lot more, but more often than not, uh, especially I want to say, because lately there's a lot of people that want to, you know, that they think paranormal stuff is going on, but not really, you know. So, but uh, let me tell you something, Rick. It has been absolutely wonderful to talk to you. I've enjoyed it so much. And uh, for my podcast listeners, what is the best website that they can go to to get information about your work and about the tour that's coming up? Well, I would say uh, ghostbelieveinme.com would mm -hmm. be the book and the tour. And anybody who wants to okay. get an autograph book, you can just go to my name on Facebook, or you can go to uh, Ghost Believe in Me on Facebook, or you can go to Hollywood Ghost Hunters on Facebook, and they all go to me. So, uh, And one, one other thing that I like to say, and it's not to sell more books, but it's one of the reasons I wrote the book in the first place, is mm -hmm. I do donate mm -hmm. uh, most of the profits to St. Jude. Really? That is very sweet. Yep. That is very nice of you. That is very, very, very nice of you. Well, it is nice because if you look behind me, you can tell that I could use some decorating. So, uh. Uh, um, <laughs> well, you know what? Sometimes it's, um, I don't know. I, 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 I do believe in, uh, you know, you know, not what, what was that saying? He who dies with the most stuff or something like that. You know, stuff is will only make you happy so far, you know? After a while, it just 
There's other things that if I mean, as long as you're not a psychopath and has no conscience, but if you're a normal human being, usually that kind of thing, it makes you feel good. You know, it's, it's. Yeah. I, it's I, I've had for spiritual, you know, my car's a 20, my car's oh. a 2014. I've had my TV for like 11 years, you know, I'm not high maintenance. There you go. <laughs> you yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? And a lot of times you realize that, you know, sometimes, and, and, and you know, I've spoken to my audience about it um, because for many years I also did hypnotherapy. And, um, you know, so I met a lot of people that were looking for the magic pill. And a lot of them were, um, you know, thinking once they got, they either had a certain job or a certain thing or a certain person that then they'd be happy. And then it was like, no, <laughs> that's not the way it works. So, uh, there's only, yeah, there's only two places you should be happy right here and right here. Of course, of course. But you see where you pointed? Where did you point at yourself? What? Both places yourself. Inside it's not your exterior. Head, inside your inside your brain and inside your heart is where you should be happy. Right. Well, they they almost too often you'll be okay. A lot of people they always look on the outside, either they're into the comparison thing or they look for the outside thing reward and sometimes when i would end up coming they would end up coming for me for hypnosis for different things behavior modification etc it was because they were having a problem coming to the conclusion that what they thought didn't turn out to be what it was and they were having like a a reality moment thing or coming to jesus moment thing where like i thought i was going to be happy because this this and this and i'm not so I, items are fun to have and they're very helpful and useful. Mm -hmm. But sure, it's much better when you're happy. You know. Let me tell so, you something. If you're miserable, you know, I don't care how many things you have. It's like. And you know what? I, you know what I say because people say this all the time, and I, I'm not trying to make self-aggrandizing or anything else. So, like the Scottish paranormal guys put me in their hall of fame for ghost hunting. So, they said we've never seen anybody uh, that attracts spirits like you. As a matter of fact, one of them, Ali, on the back of the book, it says. If Rick is there, spirit is there. Let me so, ask, and I ask you something. This is just from a. Do you ever sweat from your palms? Very rarely. Okay. That was just something. It was that, 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 ah, that was a hypnotherapist in me. I just wanted to know something about what you asked about your suggestibility and why maybe you, um, you're, you might be called, what, what, what is it, a ghost magnet? Uh, but yeah. You know, no, I do, I do have happen. them come to me. And and as I say, because I open myself up, I, I'll give you guys out there for who are listening um, a hot tip for ghost hunting. Mm -hmm. Don't ghost hunt. Go communicate. Okay? Um, you have to approach spirits like you would if you found a puppy. You can't chase after it. It'll run away. If you stand there and talk quietly and say, hello, puppy. How are you? Here's my hand. Come on over then the little, little guy will come over and play with you. And it's the same with spirits. You have to approach them carefully. You can't go out and say, you dirty son of a bitch, you better show up. Oh, you mean the yeah. confrontation? Uh, yeah. All that, Let all me that. ask you this. Oh, my God. Somebody came to my apartment and started saying stuff like that. I'd kick their ass and throw them off the balcony. Nah. You know, so why should the spirit be nice, you know, come out when, if I was to do something like that. I, as a matter of fact, I told somebody one time, they said, yeah, we're going to provoke. I said, good, then we're going to ghost hunt you next. Yeah, no. it's, it becomes a problem. <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and I'm gonna ask this: Have you ever come across a non-human entity? Yeah, I believe I have. Actually, right here in my own apartment. Oh, uh, 
No, you you, you got to talk to you. I'm sorry, but what happened? Some what? Well, it's it's all conjecture on my part, but it kind of makes sense. Um, it's going to be in the next book, by the way. Um, I wrote a script, and in the script, it's a battle between good and evil. Okay. And uh, there's a scene where this one building, everybody's being pulled in just before they die to help in the fight. Okay, because the demons are there, and there's a small group of angels left on Earth, right? Mm -hmm. And there's many more demons. Um, so the angels are trying to pull people who are dying in to help them. And this one cop gets caught by the demons, you know, because you don't know where in the building they're going to pop out and the demons catch him. And they take him up and there's like 30 demons in a big circle and the three head bad guys are up on top of the stage watching and the Traga, the head bad guy, goes, have your fun with him. Well, this cop is like Chuck Norris. They, this one demon goes out there and the cop beats the hell out of him. Right? So Traga is not very happy. He goes, you two, get him. And the cop beats the hell out of both of them. Right now he's really mad, and he says to his right hand man, he goes, "Go get him." So he goes out there, and this cop's kicking away at this guy, and the guy just walks right through him, picks him up by the neck, and slams him on the concrete, and drags him by the neck over to Traga, our head bad guy, uh -uh. and uh, he grabs him by the neck and he's holding him out in front of him, you know, and drool and the whole thing you would think in a movie, you know, the red eyes and the drool. Uh -huh. And the cop's looking, and he looks over, and he sees a, a pile of bodies of humans in the corner. And he's just staring at Traga, and Traga goes, why aren't you afraid of me? And the guy nods his head. He goes, I can already see how this is going to end. And Traga says, if you accept Satan as your lord and master, I'll spare you. Well, the guy reaches in like this, and he grabs a crucifix out, and he sticks it right in the demon's face. He goes, sorry, I already made my choice. Well, Traga snaps his neck, kills him, and throws him in the pile. But the whole thing I was writing is if you pick a side, you have to play out the game, right? Okay. So this guy had chosen his side, and he said, hey, that's it, that's it, right? I got up right after I wrote that scene, walked out, and walked into something that was enormous and black, and it was backlit, and I could see it and could just feel this energy coming off trying to intimidate me, and it was much bigger than me. And I got to tell you, it was working <laughs> when I was doing that. <laughs> but when I first saw it move in the dark, because it was like two in the morning, I thought it was a burglar. I threw my hands up, you know, to, you know, that there's somebody there. I'm going to defend myself. And then when I saw it go up and up and it, there was the uh, microwave behind and there was a, um, the clock. And I saw the clock disappear with the head come up. I knew there was something between me and the clock. Right. Okay. This wasn't just there was something there. And then I saw it go up and it was backlit and it went up and it was huge, right? And this energy was coming off of it. And I just knew it was trying to intimidate me and I wasn't going to let it, but it was getting very close. Let me tell you, because when you really come up against something like that, that you know what uh -huh. you're staring at, it's, it's hard to stand your ground. So I stood there probably for 10 to 15 seconds, just looking and I couldn't see what it was. All I could see that was deep black in the shape because of the back, you know, cause I was in the dark. And I jumped over and I hit the light and there was nothing there. But I always thought that after I wrote that, where, you know, the, you know, the cop actually bitch slapped the bad guy from Satan, that mm -hmm. maybe somebody sent me something to make me change my uh, direction and what I was writing. Yes. People don't realize yeah. that, that they sent out him. 
Well, there, yeah, exactly. But there's more to it. Um, I'd been seeing black shadows going everywhere. And there was another stunt guy lived down the way. I live in an apartment. He lived down the way. And he asked me one day, he says, uh, and this was long before anybody knew I was ghost hunting or anything. And he says, is your apartment haunted? And I went, yeah. And he goes, mine's so haunted. He says, I got a priest to bless the place. I keep seeing these black shadows fly through, which I'd been seeing. Well, after that, then that, this thing shows up. But the, the, the end of the story is there are these two twin girls that came over to use my spirit box because they were trying to contact their dad. So I just let them sit there and let them play. And I came in here where I'm sitting now and I was, you know, doing stuff on the computer. And I could hear the spirit box and it was talking nonstop. Now, anybody out there knows they don't really do that. This was word after word after word. And it was for like 45 minutes. And the girls have two pads and tablets and they're just writing down every word, right? So I walked out and I sat down. And I said, girls, what are you trying to accomplish? And they said, well, we want to talk to, to our dad. That's what we're trying to get. Well, and I take it it wasn't their dad. Well, what happened was they're writing and they're writing and then like two words. And then the word after that was father. And they wrote it down. And I'm looking at him like, said, you want to contact your dad? It just said father. Doesn't that count? And then it said uh, their last name. Right. Okay. And uh, the reason I didn't say it is because I don't know if they want to broadcast, but it said their last name. And they write it down. And, and I just said, girls, look out of your paper. What's the last two words? And oh, my goodness. And they were all freaked out. So I figured as long as the, the spirit box was being so accommodating, mm -hmm. I said, look, excuse me. And I told the girls the story. I said, I've been seeing white shadows for the last couple of weeks. And I've never even heard of white shadows. I'd see these streaks of white light. And I'd see like, remember Star Trek when the guy was... Uh, beaming up or down, you'd see the, I'd see that out of the corner of my eye. And if I would turn my head, there'd be nothing there. But if I just looked out of the corner of my eye, I could see it. Well, anyway, I asked, I said, I want to know what these white shadows are. And it said a couple words. And I said, no, I really want to know. And it says scent protection. Now I'd been thinking that because if the black shadows were the bad guys, maybe the white shadows were the good guys. Right? Yes. So the one girl says, well, are you good or bad? Are you good or evil? And it says, loving. So I thought, okay, I'm right. The good guys are here. So they left. And that night I was walking out of my bedroom and I heard a, a, a voice behind me, you know, inside my head say, he's here. And I knew what he meant when he said he's here. That big son of a bitch was back again. Mm -hmm. Well, I figured out there's no time like the present. I'm not alone. So I went out there and I mean, it's like two or three in the morning and I'm screaming in the top of my, my lungs. All right. You want to do this? Manifest. Let's see you. You won't do it. You're a coward. And you know why? Because you know, I'm not alone. And you know why I'm not alone, don't you? Because they're here to, you know, take care of you. So manifest. Let's get this over or don't ever come back here. I don't want to see another black shadow. Nothing. Now, And I swore quite a bit. Get out. Right. And that was eight or 10 years ago, I've never seen another black shadow. So yeah, you know what, it's incredible when people stand up to bullies, whether it's the the, the our three dimensional or those that they do back off. They well, you know, it's off. really, kind of, it's really kind of nice though, when you know, there's a whole bunch of backup right behind you. Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, the cavalry come in. It's like, yeah, they're back yeah. there. If it, was just my me, man. Been, if it was just me, I might have been saying, you know, we can probably make some sort of arrangement here. You, you know, know. Uh, <laughs> you know, 
but I, I was all kinds of tough guy when I knew there was other, other uh, avenues of help, you know, so. Yeah, that, uh, that, 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 I've heard of that, of people uh, when they're writing or even working on certain material that's dark, that all of a sudden they, um, for lack of a better word, uh, it's almost something is conjured or something comes to visit them, something along those lines. Well, that's exactly what I thought, because it was, I mean, when you write about where a guy just bitch slaps the right-hand man of Satan, and then mm -hmm. you see something seven feet tall, you know, energy pouring off of it. It's like it wasn't here a couple hours ago. <laughs> you know, why is it here yeah, now? Yeah, so why now? Exactly. Yeah. What triggered this? Yeah, yeah. More, more, more than likely, you're absolutely right. Well, Again, yeah, you know, you my, neighbor, my neighbor, uh -huh. the other stunt guy, he moved out. Well, you know what? I was going to ask you. Now that you said I'm glad you reminded me. When he said that, did you, I mean, was is this building, could something have ever happened there that you guys didn't know about? Well, I, I well, I think uh, because the stuff really started when I started writing the script. How about him though? When did what did it dovetail when time. he saw it? No, it was about the same time. Oh, okay. So, I thought I he think, had been having his own experiences prior. Well, he to was, that. No, he was having his own experiences because um, I didn't tell you the whole story. The first thing I saw was something roughly the, a black shape the size of a domer. Doberman, because I'd had. Oh two. my God! Nah, it didn't look like a non-human. That's non-human. No, it oh. didn't look like it didn't look like a Doberman. It was just the size of it. Yeah, and, I know, but still, when you when you're seeing stuff like that, yeah. yeah. And it, no, well, this came out of the wall right at me. I mean, I just jumped back on reflex, and there was nothing there. And about an hour later, I went to walk into the bathroom, and a thing about the size of a football came out of the wall right at my face. I just jumped backwards, and then the next day, the the, my, the other guy came over with his daughter, who was five. He said. Hey, can we borrow some movies? And this is how the whole thing started. And I said, yeah, just tell me what you want, right? Because after all this stuff happened, I didn't want the little girl coming in, mm -hmm. right? And he goes, well, can't we come in? I said, no, just tell me what you want. And I'll bring it to you. And that's when he says, is your place haunted? And that's what started the whole conversation because I wouldn't let him in to get movies because I always did. Right, and right. I, and he must have thought, what's up? Yeah, but so that's when he told me about his stuff. And like three weeks after that, he moved out. Yeah, you know what? Even though I've heard of that, even though people get their house blessed and things calm down, it's just they they just don't feel comfortable. Well, you know, I, I will tell you one that that was really got me. I was on a TV show called Home and Family, mm -hmm. and one of the hostesses was Christina Ferrar, who used to be an actress, was married to John DeLorean, and stuff yeah, like that. exactly. Yes, I know who she is. And she told her story about having a spirit that her and her husband would wake up and they would see this person in their in their bedroom at night. And she said, so she finally had a guy come over and bless the house and they put holy water above the doorway and, and stuff like that. She says, we never saw it in our bedroom again, but my husband saw it standing outside looking in the window. There you go. Yeah. Which tells Pushed me, it out. no, which tells me that whatever they put up to keep it out, kept it out. Right. Right. But so sometimes that, people think, oh my God. I'm sorry, my microphone. I'm coming. What's wrong? It was kind <laughs> of right away from me. It's like, hold on. Um, people think that, you know, when they do these blessings or whatever exorcisms, even though you can't do an exorcism on a house, it's a blessing, whatever, as far as the Roman ritual is concerned, um, that you got rid of it. And sometimes all you do is just move it out yeah. from, like they say, the inside of the house to the grounds. Uh, okay. That's why sometimes people don't realize that as far as blessings or if you're going to do any type of ritual, smudging, whatever it is, I'm, I'm not talking about, you have to also include the grounds and the perimeters. Of, you know what people uh, never think about? Yeah, and you're exactly right. Spirits are energy. 
-hmm. The bad guys are energy. Albert Einstein tells you that energy doesn't die. So you can do whatever you want to keep it away, but you didn't kill it. It's somewhere. It went somewhere, right? So. Well, and this is the thing, you know, you will get, the, the, the reason why I say this is because when I did hypnotherapy, I did something, I worked in alternative areas of hypnotherapy, something called spiritual attachments. A lot of people say it's not exorcism because it wasn't, it was a secular thing. It wasn't, you know, like either deliverance or anything like that. But when you get into that, there's a lot of people that say when you do an exorcism or deliverance or anything like that, whether it's a non-human or human spirit, you're expulsing them to go where? <laughs> do you see and what where I'm saying? Exactly are they going? Yeah. Exactly. In other words, everybody assumes that when you, you know, you get rid of them, they're like, poof, they're gone. But sometimes yeah. basically they're somewhere. <laughs> they're somewhere. Exactly. Exactly. They're somewhere. Unless you direct it a certain way for them to be taken, whether by it's by angelic helpers or by light beings that you take it to a certain place. And well, a lot of Here's here's the problem with that. You can get the angelic beings to throw them back to where they came from, but the person that's down there in charge of it says, "Hey, go on back." That's why you don't. You tell you tell them. Uh, I mean, there's a there's a process, which is more in depth, where basically you take them to a place of light, which a lot of them it's it's a depending on what type of spirit it is. Are we talking human, non-human, et cetera, et cetera? But um, a lot of people don't realize that. And I'm sure you've heard sometimes of uh, people that have had attachments or they've been possessed or whatever, that uh, that's why they tell them, hey, you can't dabble in this anymore. Because yeah. in a way, they've always been earmarked. So even if they had somebody come in and do something, whether it's exercise them or the house or whatever, and well, they start after a while, they forget about the bad experience and they start getting into that again. And let me tell you. Yeah. I, I can tell you something. I may have the only photographic evidence of what may be an attachment. All right. Uh, a lady called me up, African-American lady, roughly 60 years old. Uh, the kind that should have been on a sitcom, bubbly, happy, you know, just the sweetest person in the world. Okay. Well, me and one of my guys go over to her apartment. She's got a loft apartment. Usually when I walk into someplace, I can tell you if it's haunted. As soon as I walk in, I can usually feel the spirits. Sure. Didn't feel anything. I went through with all my equipment, got nothing. So I went down, and she was downstairs. I said, Donna, I don't think your apartment's haunted. And she looks at me with that sweet face and goes, well, oh, I don't think so either. And I'm thinking, <laughs> why am I here? <laughs> right? All right. And she goes, well, I think something's attached to me. Now, I've had things attached to me twice, so I know what it feels like but I don't know how to quantify it, right. right? I know the symptoms. I can tell you what it looks like and stuff like that, but I couldn't quantify it. So it just dawned on me what she really wanted was to feel better, right? So I said, let me try something. So I took the K2 meter and I ran it over. I said, look, Don, it's not going off. I said, let me get my uh, infrared camera. And I took the infrared and I showed her. I said, look, there's nothing on here. And I just got a thermal imager. Mm -hmm. And I said, let me try the thermal imager. And I, and it was an adapter for my phone and I'm looking through the phone and I went, uh-oh. <laughs> right? And right in her stomach, about the size, about three quarters of the size of a football, yes. was a black spot. That's exactly what it looks like. Yeah, black spot with a little purple in it. She was white and yellow and orange, mm -hmm. you know, very hot in this spot. So I asked her, I said, uh, 
Donna, did you have, were you eating ice cream or have something cold on your stomach before we got over here? And she goes, no. I said, do you have anything on underneath your sweater? Right. She goes, no. I said, well, let me show you this. And I showed her the picture and she goes, what is that? I said, it's something very cold. I said, so um, my suggestion is I would call your doctor tomorrow to find out if you have a blockage of something. Mm -hmm. Right. And said, that's, that's not normal. I said, you should have that checked out. And I said, do me a favor walk up and down the stairs because I want to see if it was a camera anomaly because it's one of the first times I was using it. Well, all the way up down the stairs, it's in the same spot, right? And I have pictures of that also. So she comes down. She goes, I said, it's still there. She goes, what should I do? I said, tell it to leave. And she goes, what? I said, you're, you're, you're in charge of your own body. Tell it to leave. She goes, well, should I get mad? I said, yes, you should. Mm -hmm. And she goes, how mad? I said, well, pretend you just found your sister fooling around with your boyfriend. And she goes, that mad, I said, and then some. And she was so adorable. She goes like this. She goes, do you mind if I use my faith? And I said, can't hurt, right? Uh -huh. And the stupidest thing I did was not filming her, right? I've never seen anything that awesome in my life. She takes her little fists, throws them over her head. And I mean, she went for it. There was no holding back. This lady just went, pardon the, the thing, balls to the wall. Uh -huh. right? And she's going, the power of God commands you, get out, get out, right? <laughs> I almost left. <laughs> <laughs> but when she was done, you know, when she was done, she was like, I mean, she was spent. You know, she was like, <sighs> so I, I let her calm down. And I took a picture and I said, Donna, let me show you something. And I showed it to her and it was gone. Let me There's ask you, did she, ever, did she ever realize when and where she picked it up? I never talked to her about that. She didn't say anything. No, but she just said she thought she had something and, you know, and, but it was weird that I actually have all this on camera. I've got the, the first oh, one, the one on the chair, you know, and then you see just where it's just a shadow. Cause there's a couple up here that are just shadows from the clothes, and uh -huh. the uh -huh. a shadow. but these were, you know, deep black and yes. roughly that roughly this big. Yes. 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 And you know what? The reason why I say that, I know that because part of the of the process when you do hypnotize, basically you're asking people not to see with these eyes, but they basically do like an x-ray within their their body where they have sometimes the attachment. And a lot of them sometimes will describe it exactly like what you said as a dark mass. Okay. Yeah. Um, in a certain part of their body. Okay. And then when they look harder, they start seeing, but the first time they kind of see it under hypnosis when they're doing basically a full body scan and you take it down through their body the first time they see it they do describe it as some type of mass but it's we're not talking organic we're not talking organic mass um that's how they see it and then later on when you take them through another process you know sometimes they will actually start recognizing uh if it's a human or non-human entity the attachment that went through their aura etc cetera, etc cetera. but when you said that i was like yes that's exactly what a lot of clients will say they see uh, when they yeah, do that internal scan of their bodies. That's incredible. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, just what she did was just awesome. Well, she must have, she, you know what, I'm, and, and, you know, it's almost one of those things that you think, I wonder how she got to the, pro to the point where she knew it was her. You understand what I'm saying? Versus yeah. her house. Yeah. So maybe she was one of these that, hey, every every place I go to, you know, it's with me. 
Uh, you know, instead of the haunted place, it's the haunted person kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. I, I have told people that many times and they'll say, well, my other house is haunted. And then I came here and this one's haunted. And I said, can I bring up something to you that you might might not want to hear? But you have to know. They said, what's that? I said, maybe it's you that's haunted. Yes. You know, and well, what do I do? I said, well, you're the captain of your own ship. Get rid of it. You know, so I've done that. As a matter of fact, one of the saddest things I did, I had a guy that was uh, a, an army vet and he'd mm -hmm. been over in Iraq and he'd gotten back and Donna called me. And this was another young guy, African-American guy, really, really cool dude. And I went over to his house and he says, I keep hearing this screaming and people are yelling through the walls at me and everything else. So I'm sitting there and he goes, do you hear that? Do you hear that? I said, nope. Right. I said, that doesn't mean you're not hearing it. Right. right. So he went and he goes, now listen to that. That's my neighbor. He's screaming at me. I said, um, I can't remember his name. I said, I don't hear it. So my other guy was sitting there and he, he cringed when I said, all right, let's sit down. Let's have a real talk here. I said, uh, do you have PTSD? And he goes, yes. I said, are you taking medication for it? He goes, yeah. I said, when are you going to see your doctor again? And he said, in a couple of weeks, I said, tell him what's going on with you. Because I've heard all kinds of stories of, of you know, people having hallucinations and stuff from cross -medi medication, you know, mm -hmm. that they don't work too well. So I got a phone call probably about two months later and it was him and he goes, yeah, everything's fine. I said, really? They scared everything off? He goes, no, my doctor changed my medicine. And okay. he goes, I just have to really thank you for, you know, telling me the straight deal. And I said, well, that's, why would I not tell you right. the yeah. straight deal? I mean, so. A lot of those meds sometimes got to be tweaked. You know, some one person can take the meds and they're fine. And then another person, you know, there's a lot of things that, but that was very good advice. And by the way, you do sometimes run into people that, and I'm not going to talk about PTSD, but every once in a while you go ghost hunting. And I'm talking here, not historical, obviously, but residential investigations. And you do run across some clients that they have, uh, let's put it nicely, some type of mental illness, you know, untreated. And they'll, you know, and it's a hard, you have a hard time sometimes telling them later on that they're not, the house is not haunted, but they'll insist that it is. So I actually went to another location down in Hollywood, a mu uh, musician, a guitar player, and it asked me, him and his friends said he's seeing things and he's seeing, like, he looked in the mirror and saw his face melting one time and he's, you know, he's having a horrible time. So I went over there and I'm sitting there watching it and we're, we're investigating and things and I'm not really getting much. And he kept going to the back room right, to the bathroom. Mm -hmm. So the next time he went, I went in there and watched, and he's snorting coke, there right? And I just went, okay, I'm out of here. All said, right. You know what happens? Their credibility is gone. Well, he, and I have to assume that every time he went to the bathroom, he did that, which meant he was snorting a, a, an enormous amount of coke, right? Of course. So I just said, okay, I'm out. You know, I can't. You can't well, justify anything you're doing, and I don't want to be around you when you're doing it in case the cops decide to kick in the door. So I'm out. Yeah. See you. You know, but my suggestion was knock that off. I mean, it's okay if you want to do that, but if you've been you've gone at least five times to the bathroom since I've been here. Mm -hmm. You know, so well, this is the thing, you know, a lot of people, you you know, whether it's addiction and or mental illness and or or a lot of people think it's either the paranormal or that, and you could have one, both of them. And sometimes I hate to say it, but if, especially if you're talking a malevolent, uh, obviously intelligent haunting, 
it will aggravate the symptoms. Do you see what I'm saying? For all oh, you know, he might have an, an, an attachment of an addict. You know what I'm saying? That, in other words, but I understand because I tell everybody at the end of the day, you, you self-preservation is the law of the land. So you got to get out of there. It's like, sorry, but <laughs> wish I could help you, but I'm not going to stick around and find out. Yeah, no, I just told him straight out. I said, you need to quit doing this so much. I said, it's going to kill you. Of you course. Know? Of and, course. And yeah. And he might have very well have had supernatural things going on around him closer than just. Uh, well, I, di I didn't see any while I was there. And he was seeing a lot of stuff when he came back out. So, and he was actually, <laughs> the reason I went to and followed in the back is he was yelling, Rick, Rick, come look. And I went back there. He goes, look, look in the mirror. My face is melting. And I'm like, oh, oh okay. No, it's not, right? And then you could see all the coke sitting there. And I said, dude, you don't see the correlation what's going on with you, right? It's very, out of here. very yeah. nice guy, you know, very nice guy. No, no, no. This has, you know, uh, it, there's a lot of things. Um... From installing a smart garage door opener to installing a bathroom faucet to removing a tree. The Home Depot believes you can do anything, especially the things we have how-to guides for. Visit homedepot.com for thousands of tips, workshops, and ideas for projects, big and small. The Home Depot app, how doers get more done. Angie's List is now Angie, and getting your to-do list done just got easier. Between back to school and with the holidays around the corner, it can feel like there's no time to tackle home projects. Whether you need help with emergency repairs or major upgrades, Angie matches you with top local pros who can get the job done right. Browse reviews, see upfront pricing, and instantly book hundreds of projects. Save time for what matters most. Book your next project at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You know, I, I want to say, uh, Rick, that there's this is the dark side, you know, because, you know, you see a lot of the reality shows and it's, you know, you, you know, you have the, the the adventure and that you're going into these places and you're investigating it. But there's a very dark side to the supernatural as far as attachments of this type for people that already have some of these types of problems, whether it's drug abuse, mental illness, all the darker devices of human beings, that if you really get uh, an attachment, a severe one, which, by the way, is they get enmeshed in your aura. It, they really, um, it makes your behavior like very, very, it's almost on the path to destruction. How's that? Um, and it, and it, some people have carry that stuff around for years, for yeah. years. I mean, it's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, and there's just, you know, people that are having some sort of thing that misinterpret it and then really okay. build it up. You know, so, sure. yeah, you know, so got to go tell them the honest stuff and say, look, what you're thinking ha is happening is not happening. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. There is stuff going on. Don't don't get me wrong. But what you yeah. think, the the devil is not here to steal your soul. Okay. <laughs> I, tell, I tell everybody, once upon a time, when I used to do, when you had to pay to develop film, I remember I went on an investigation and it was a very nice house in uh, Boca Raton, which is a real ritzy area. And this lady's telling me that she's getting messages written on the mirrors. I'll oh, be quiet, you guys. Shush. You know, she's getting stuff written on the mirrors of her bathroom and all these things. And we already had a team go in there and I went in there with just a photographer. And I just, we walked around and 
towards the end, we, we're not getting anything. And we're like, okay. Then she comes and goes, look, I want to show you something. And she pulls out these pictures. You remember when you people used to get red eyes, you know, from the, from the sure. flare of the, of the thing. She's showing me these pictures of herself. And of course, you know, she's looking up. She's like lifted her head and she's got that red eye. And I'm looking at him. She goes, yeah, because don't you see that the red eye? And I'm and, and I'm thinking, wait a minute, lady. What you're trying to do is you're trying to get us to basically uh, say that you were, I don't know, either you've got, you're possessed or something's going on. And, uh, but you just got red eye from the camera. It, it was totally basically trying to make something out of nothing. Um, yeah. No, th that happens all the time. I mean, there's so many people that take a tremendous leap from point A to, to point Z with nothing in the middle, yeah. you know, and it's almost always wrong. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm saying some of the, the most interesting investigations I've had is stuff like that, where it's like, uh, okay, nope, nothing here. The strangest thing here is you, as in just you. <laughs> yeah, it's but God, Rick, I could spend hours talking to you. I can't. I, 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 let me. You've got to come back, Marlene. I, I warned you when we started. I told oh. you. I, I told you I could turn Hello into a mini series. I, I warned you. You can. Do, okay, so I'll be. Well, are you going to work on another book, or are you just going to be caught up now with your next tour? No, actually, the next book is about got about a third of the stories already in it. Mm -hmm. Um, cause there were some things I left out of the first one. Okay. And I think now that I've introduced myself and people will realize that I'm actually on the level that I can tell okay. something like, like the thing I just told you about the, what was here. That's not in the first book. Okay. Right. Um, and there's other things like that, you know, that'll be in the book, but in my book, if there's a lot of things in there that just, you know, Fortunately, there was other people there when it happened. You know what I mean? Okay. Because right. I, I let Castle happen to me, right? Mm -hmm. I'm not sure I would believe it if somebody else told me it happened to them. You know what? Sometimes what I tell people is that sometimes you don't have the benefit of either a witness or a video camera or anything. But when you have that experience, sometimes just the retelling of it, because basically what you're trying to do when you tell these stories is not convince anybody. Because I'm sure maybe you have stories, like you said, that I have nobody that can corroborate the story, but well, this is what I experienced. Well, here's one that this is, here's the book. Okay. The there you um, go. And on the back, there's blurbs from different famous people that I've ghost hunted with saying how I ghost hunt and things like that. And one of them, the very first one, uh, says, Rick's connection with the afterlife is undeniable. The spirits of Lep Castle made their presence known to before he even stepped in the building. Okay, but then we found out that it actually wasn't something from the building. It was something else. God, that is that's excellent. What a and this one girl said, I remember Rick telling me about what happened at Lep Castle. And when I read the book, I felt everything he was going through and literally brought me to tears. I mean, so um, and that um that Hellfire Club, they had a lot of really dark things go on in there, huh? Well, there's two Hellfire Clubs, which a lot of people don't know. There's one in England and one in Ireland. I think there was one in Ireland. Yeah, uh, it's in Dublin, and that's the one we were at. And mm -hmm. one of the reasons that I got invited to go to the Hellfire Club is that one of my relatives was one of the founding members. Uh -huh. right? um, 
And wow. when we got there, they had a uh, the Frank's box out. Uh-huh. And a guy and a girl were trying to get some stuff at the Frank's box. Nothing was happening. So I asked, I said, do you mind if I try? They said, no, go ahead. So I just said, hi, you know, my name is Rick. I came from the United States to see if I could talk to my relative, John Wilkes. Right. And it said something like knee socks, macaroni stuff that made no sense. Right. And then it goes relative. And the two people look up like, what? I said, yeah, if this is John Wilkes, I'm your relative. I said, and I came from the United States. I just wanted to say hi. And it said another word or two. Then it goes, hi, Rick. Right. Now they're like, Holy yeah. crap. And then I asked, I said, look, I think I'm talking to John Wilkes. I said, but you have to answer this question so I know you're related to me. Did you really turn a baboon loose dressed up like Satan into the party? Oh my right? God. And it goes, baboon. Right? And I mean, their jaws just dropped. And the fact is, if you can think of those three things happening within a couple of minutes, uh-huh. That those words baboon would show up on the Frank's That style. is incredible. Relative, yeah, the odds of that are astronomical. And I looked at it and I went, man, that's got to be some of the best tape we've ever gotten. They said, oh, we weren't rolling. <gasps> oh. <laughs> but it's actually in the book. And the girl that was there backs up this, backs up the story. Wow. Although hers is, hers is a little different than mine. She has a couple of the high Rick and the relative different than I so do. But you're telling me your ancestor dressed up a baboon? Yes, and turned him loose into the into the party. I think it might have been in England, though. Um, but still, it was all the same characters. And it actually happened. And I believe it was like the third Earl of Sandwich that <laughs> he was down there with a couple of hookers. And when, when this thing ran towards him, he pushed them towards him, say, take them. Say, you want to clear a room quick? Well, he pushed them and the two girls towards him and said, take them, they're bigger sinners. Oh. And, and and he became the laughing stock of the Hellfire Club. I bet. To the, to the point that he went out to just totally destroy John Wilkes. And John really? Wilkes at one time was in was in Parliament. Another time, if I remember, he was Lord Mayor of London. And then he got into a big verbal fight with the king over how he was treating, you know, some of the citizens and things like that. And finally, he I guess he got the the big boot, but he was one of the biggest uh, proponents for the, for the, for America. He kept trying to tell him, just leave those people alone. Wow. Right. And that made him, you know, a pariah in, in London. So, of course. <laughs> but they actually, if I, if I've heard this, it's family history. I don't know if it's true or not, but it's, um, they say that actually one, a state um, city in Pennsylvania is named after him because he loaned them a lot of money. Right. And Wilkes Bear was the two people that really gave the money to start the city. So I don't know if it's actually the truth, you know, because you hear family stuff all the time that's like. Right. Hmm. But people don't realize that that's exactly how towns were named. They were usually yeah. named after people that gave money towards the town somehow, you know. Actually, what I'm going to do is after I hang up, I'm going to put down was Wilkes Bear named after John Wilkes and someone else and see if it shows, if it tells me. I've never. I've never checked up on it. That would be great. That would be. But by the way, if you wonder why I'm kind of a scrappy individual, you know, and why I do physical things and, and I'm not very uh -huh. afraid of things, uh, when your grandfather's from Sparta and all the rest of your people are from the highlands of Scotland. Yeah. Yeah. Know, matter of fact, yeah. I am related to what they they consider was, was the greatest swordsman in, in Scotland. 
Who is? Who's that? I, um, yeah. Uh, what was his name? Oh, shoot. Um, Zachary McCullum. And Zachary actually, Zachary actually um, had a fight with the guy. Um, I'm trying to remember his name now. But this guy was like seven foot tall. And Alistair the Devastator was his nickname. Oh, my God. What a name. And, well, he would go in there with his huge sword, and he would just pummel people to death, right? Man, when you go in Scotland, do you wear your colors? Do you wear your tartan colors? Oh, all right. Okay, there you go, Marlene. Uh -huh, all right. Yep. Um, but actually, uh, this guy came to the Campbells to take over their castle, and he was always like a guy for hire, right? And when he, whenever he showed up, I'd be just said, "No, we're not fighting. We're out," because he never lost the battle. Right? He was a great swordsman, and everybody. This Alistair. Well, he comes out, and he's going to attack the castle, and and a bunch of other Scotsmen heard about it and came forward. Well, the McCullums were a member of the Campbell clan, right? And the McCullums are pretty famous because there's two branches of the McCullums, and they're both the same family. There's the McCullums and the Malcolms. And the Malcolms are very famous in Scotland, right? But it's the same family. But uh -huh. um, he's out there, and all of a sudden, the opposing force comes up, and Alistair comes out with his giant sword, and he sticks it in the ground. He goes, but how about we do this so I don't have to kill all of you? How about you send out a champion and then, you know, whichever one of us wins gets the castle, right? So he stood there and nobody was coming and nobody was coming. Finally, one guy walked out and he goes, ah, there's three things that you can count on in Scotland or that a Campbell can count on. Stone, limestone, and a McCullum, right? So uh, Zachary McCullum came out and they went to battle, right? Okay. And uh, Zachary desorded him, and when they desorded the guy, it's over. Right. And Alistair turned around, picked his sword up, turned around, and the entire army left. But after that, Zachary was in another fight against the McDonald's, and he actually killed seven people in a row and got to the clan chief. Uh-huh. And when they squared off, somebody killed him from behind with a scythe. Oh, but they just said he was by far the best swordsman. In, yeah, in because some of those clans had their own feuds going on, right? Oh, yeah. The, the clans, the McDonald's and the, and the Malcolms and the Campbells and, you know, the McGregors, they were all. And I mean, longstanding feuds, from what I understand. Oh, yeah, the Stuarts and, you know, but a lot of the clans, like the Campbells, the Campbells, the McCollums, you know, they're part of the same clan. And then there's the other ones. The Campbells were really big. Uh, the Stuarts were really big. Mm -hmm. right? Matter of fact, uh, two of the guys in Scottish Paranormal, their name's Stuart. And when we went to Glamis Castle, uh, okay. we got charged to get in. And I looked at him. I said, ah, you'd think that a McCollum and a, and, and a Stuart could get in free. <laughs> like, yeah, you got to pay, right? <laughs> Once well, upon a time, maybe. Well, there's like three kings, Malcolm. And then the Stuarts were like the biggest people in Scotland, you know. I mean, is that, that uh, Glamis Castle, that's, that's, a, that's got a dark haunting now when you say it. I mean, they've got... The curse, a family curse, and oh, beautiful place though. And I mean, yeah, they take yeah. you around, and it's all still got all the old furniture and stuff. Gorgeous place. I know I've heard. Of fact, I don't know. That might be one of the places we're going to stop. Well, then I sure. urge people to check out your website. I'm going to have to check out my website. I haven't looked at it for quite a long time. Let me tell you I, I think everybody's ready to go and have a good time and party and. You well, know, I know three like of the places that. we're going to ghost hunt are absolute bucket lists. The yes. uh, Balgoni Castle, where I've been many times. 
Uh, the other two I haven't been to. One is like Bannockburg Jail, and the okay. other one I can't remember. But they're all really, really something, you know. So yeah, let me tell you. I can't, I can't tell you how how much I'm looking forward to getting back there. Oh, I miss my friends. I miss my friends. Yes, you know? everybody. I'm telling you, every you know, and and this is the thing. Everybody before you, I was. We were talking about it. A year goes by quick before you know it. You know, well, I got to tell you, when you live by yourself, you don't have a girlfriend, any kids, you don't have a dog or a cat. It doesn't go by fast. I've you seen know. every episode of Gunsmoke at least 10 times. Okay. <laughs> every time gun, every time Gunsmoke comes on, you know, the part where he walks down the street, and they have the gunfight. Yeah. I gunfight him every single time. I'm always up there, you know. Yeah, pow, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, when I, you're alone, you have to do weird stuff to entertain yourself. That is such, you know. I, and I've looked at some of these old shows, and um, God, you know, no more Miss Kitty, huh? I mean, it was like, it was, it, but those shows were great. I mean, Bonanza, Big Valley, uh, all of those. Uh, well, you know what? Not really. When you uh, really go, when you go back and look at it, uh, every girl that fell in love, <laughs> every girl that fell in love with a with a uh, Cartwright died. I know. Right? <laughs> it was like nobody. Uh, yeah, the, this family show they they killed like two people per show. You know, uh, I, I think they said that in, in the course of uh, in the course of uh, Gunsmoke that that uh, Matt Dillon had killed like two hundred and fifty people. He'd been shot 58 times. He'd been stabbed, you know, 25 times. And this was family entertainment back in the day. Right, well, you know, it was, what was it? It's almost like, you know, those, those that they say, you know, when you looked at the original Star Trek, if you were one of these secondary characters that came out at the beginning, you knew that you were, that well, was no. it. You know what the thing was? If you were one of the general population on Star Trek, you wore a red shirt. And as okay. soon as they had red shirts beaming down, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Red shirts, red shirts. I mean, it was That's a red it. joke. You're toast. <laughs> you know, it's funny. One of the biggest characters in the history of Star Trek is a friend of mine. And he played the Gorn, the giant lizard guy who. Uh, yes, yes, I Gorn. know that. Yes, that he followed yeah. us. Yeah. And he, and he says, uh, I was doing a movie, and this one young guy that nobody was being nice to, right? He was one of the cast, and he was a little shy i think uh, a little backwards you know a bit but he wasn't he wasn't autistic he wasn't anything like that because i talked to him afterwards he's a very sharp guy i think he's just socially inept right and one night i'm standing there and i see him go by and he's got his thing and he'd been sitting by himself and i just went hey dude he goes well, i said sit down he goes really i said yeah sit down you know don't eat by yourself so he and i sat and had had dinner and he i said so i asked him i said so what are you into and he goes, oh, I really love Star Trek. I said, well, what's your favorite episode? He goes, oh, the one with the Gorn. I'm a big Gorn fan. I said, really? And he goes, yeah. And I said, do you want to talk to him? And he goes, what? I said, the guy who played the Gorn is a friend of mine. And he goes, really? So I called my friend up. I said, hey, there's a guy here that loves the Gorn. Will you talk to him? He goes, sure. So he talked to him for like 10 minutes. Well, I found out later on that this guy's parents invested in the movie, right? Wow. Uh, and as I'm walking along, here comes the guy with his parents. And I have a I have a wicked sense of humor. Yeah, I, I really do. And the father came up and he goes, hey, thank you so much for letting, you know, my friend talk to the Gorn. And I just gave him this look. I went. 
Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Don't go dependable. What's a gourd? <laughs> right? yeah, uh, yeah. And they looked they looked at their son. I said, No, I did. Bobby's a friend of mine. So they're so you know, then I was golden on the thing, you know, after that. I bet. Yeah. I bet. yeah, see that some of those things um it's really funny because you know, especially when you know when you go to some of these uh either paracons or comic cons or you know, horror cons, sometimes you get to meet some of these characters that are like uh, iconic, like that episode. Um, you know that it's it's incredible that people. A lot of these older shows, like I said, it's more nostalgia more than anything else. But they're very iconic as far as pop culture and stuff. People are more drawn to it. Is, I guess is what I'm saying. Well, you know, it's what's really strange is that I know most all of them. You know, just from being around for so long. I mean, my best friend plays Jason. One of my other there good friends go. plays, plays Leatherface. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I know the Gorn. I know the guy who played Michael. I, met, I know two people who played Michael Myers. You know, I've met Robert England several times. I mean, right. I told somebody at a, at a uh, convention. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were up on the stage, me and Kane and Danielle Harris, uh, who was in Halloween and all the Hatchet movies and things like that. And they asked me, they said, Rick, you know, it's really interesting. You're a stuntman and, an, and a ghost hunter. He said, you know, that's real hard to find. I just pointed at Kane. I said, well, there's another one right there. Because <laughs> he and I founded the Hollywood Ghost Hunters together. But they said, yeah, but it must be so cool. I said, let me give you a for instance. I was playing golf yesterday before I came here. I was playing with the guy who played the Gorn from Star Trek. They're like, yeah, because they're all into that stuff. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I said, we got to the 18th hole and George Wilbur was standing there waiting to talk to us. Michael Myers from Halloween. I said, I go and I'm getting to my car and my phone rings and I answer and it's R.A. Mihailov, Leatherface, right? <laughs> yeah, I said, I got home and I'm walking up the stairs. I hear my phone ringing. So I run up and I answer and it's Kane, Jason Voorhees, right? <laughs> and they all, yeah, I mean, they're going crazy. And I said, now listen, that all sounds really cool, right? Yeah, I said, yeah. yeah. I said, there's one problem with this. Where's Heather? Where's Bambi? Where's Barbie? All I got is a giant lizard and serial killers. Right? <laughs> so it depends like on what happens. <laughs> yeah, so it depends on how you look at life, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, will you you. Yes. I will tell you one more thing. I was off golfing with some friends of mine. And I grew up on the south side of Chicago. I never, never dreamed I'd meet some of the people I have. I mean, I'm, just, I'm astounded half the time and always grateful for it. But I'm playing golf with one of the guys who was was uh, Clint Eastwood's double his entire life and actually uh, directed three of his movies. Another one of my friends was is a stunt guy who was the guy who went out the window and down the stairs in The Exorcist. Oh, my and is, God. And is one of the few lifetime members of the Stuntman Association. And the other guy that was, was with us was the guy who directed Shogun. Wow. Right? Now – I never believed that guys that were like Clint Eastwood's double and directed his movies and Shogun guys would call me and ask me to play with them. I yeah. mean, 
is this a, is this a great is this a great world or what? Yes, it is. You it most certainly is. You know. But the, you know, and, and that's what I'm saying that there's a certain type of nostalgia. Even like when you when you say Shogun, man, I remember watching that series. I loved that series of Shogun. Okay. Well, I teased my friend the first time he had him play. He he didn't say what he did, so I I called him up. I said, "Is Jerry like a, you know, an old time stunt guy too?" And he goes, "Look him up on IMDb." So I called him back and I said, "Chuck, what are you bringing these Hollywood wannabes around? I mean, the only thing he ever did that was any good was he directed Shogun." Really? <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. Do you do, do you do you know this? This, this is true. Sixty percent of the world watched Shogun when it was on. Yes, people don't realize that 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 I remember that was that was a great miniseries. Well, you know was also, there was an there was a time period where a lot of series came out, but yeah. Shogun was great. But you know why everybody watched it? There were no VCRs. There was no oh yeah DVRs. If you liked the show, you had yeah, to you park had to your in and watch it. watch it. Yeah, so yeah, but anyway. still, but still, no, it it did draw an audience though because it was it was a good miniseries. It, it was, was good. It was really good. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just strictly because it was like there was some other stuff that came out that you'd be like, ah, oh, forget it. Oh, yeah. I'll catch yeah. you on the rerun. But I, I never, I never dreamed that I would get to hang out with people like that. You know, yeah, that that let me tell you something. You must hear quite a few stories, which I'm oh, sure. Oh my goodness! And I can't <laughs> can't repeat ninety. No, no, that's what I was about to say. <laughs> I I like, ah, they'll never hear another story again. It's like, yeah. yeah no, that, that one's not hitting the light of day. No, not that one either. Uh, <laughs> hey, you know, when you go through your your the Rolodex in your head, it's like, no, not that one. No, not that one either. Yeah, let's see. That one goes out. That one goes out. Nope, can't use that. <laughs> you know, pretty much I got a big empty head, which most people think I already have anyway. So yeah, believe it or not, it's all stored up there in your subconscious mind. So says so says the hypnotherapist. Again, well, I say Thank you for having me. No, it's Appreciate been my pleasure. It. Absolutely my pleasure. Any, anytime you want to do it again, just yes, let me yes, know. Yes, I will be keeping tabs on your work and everything, whatever, and I'm going to bring you back, Rick. Absolutely. It has been a delight to speak to you. Yeah, because actually, and this isn't to get me to bring me back, but I do have a whole bunch of stuff coming up. And okay. whether absolutely. and whether it actually comes through or not, you know, the movie business and, you know, TV and stuff like that, who knows? All of it could fall through or all of it could happen or something, you know, so I don't know. I think that's what I think that if anybody's learned every anything in the last 18 months of their lives is that talk about subject to change. So yeah, no kidding. <laughs> so, yeah, no kidding. Everybody's so, aware of that. But again, thank you so much. It has been wonderful. Take care. I had a great time. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow. It's, I'm telling you. I could have let the show go on a lot more. But because he, I could tell. You know, I, I, I was just like, I know that if I open that door, he's going to have some great stories about this. And if I open that door, he's going to have some great stories about that. So, hmm. But it was like, okay, then Marlene, you will have a four-hour show. Isn't that wonderful? No, you cannot do that, Marlene. You cannot have a four-hour show. But believe me, I have every intention, every intention of bringing Rick back. A lot of my new guesses, well, you know what? Um, I, I First of all, he's, he's got he, – and he's a good storyteller. And like everything, people um, – I think I want to bring him back just some maybe to even talk about some of his stunt work because he's done a lot of stunt work. 
And I wasn't, I, I was surprised when I asked him if he'd had any near death experience as a stuntman, because some of the things he had told me that he had done, I was like, man, that's like, that's incredible that you didn't, you know, because you hear people that for anything, they have a near death experience and you're thinking, well, but no, that, that, uh, he didn't, which means that, yeah, that's an, you know, and I, and I almost felt like asking him, see, now I'm coming up with all these great questions. Like, have you ever had any of your coworkers that met an untimely death come and do one of these, um, what they call these crisis apparitions, you know, things like that, that, and, or I'm going to ask him the next time. Have you ever had that warning that, that, um, premonition, like, I'm not going to do it that way, or I'm not going to do that stunt, or I'm going to, or not that day, maybe another day, or I'm going to do something, but then something says, don't. I forgot that. I should have asked him about that, but I am going to ask him eventually. And, you know, that's, that's the, um, that's what I like about uh, bringing somebody that has all these different background stories. And let me tell you something that that tour that he's talking about with um, going to Scotland, it's in, I believe it's in July of next year, what, 11 months. But we were talking about that. It's, it's very reasonably priced for everything that you get. And let me tell you something. I think a lot of people are ready. First of all, a year goes by very, very quickly. That's number one. Number two, I think, a lot of people, especially when you're talking about, you know, international travel, there's a lot of people out there that are ready to go and plan something. How's that? Because I want I don't know about you, but, but for myself, I was always the kind of person that, especially for this type of, um, how can I say it for a vacation, this type part of the pleasure of it was the anticipation of it. How's that? You know, the anticipation of uh, making the plans or I'm going to go here and I'm going to do this and I'm going to take this tour. And personally for me, and I know, I know a lot of people that part of it is that that's part of the enjoyment of the vacation in and of itself. Uh, especially if it's something that you've been looking forward to that you like, Hey, I, I want to, you know, or, you know, that you look for the perfect place to stay, you know, the, let's say it's a historic thing or the perfect tour and, you know, you do your research because you want to make the best out of the time that you're there. Um, I don't know, let me tell you something, July of 2022, and I know people are going to, it's just around the corner. It is, it is, especially, like I said, there's a lot of people that have been postponing what vacations for maybe a couple of years already. And so now's the chance to take a vacation and go see spooky places and ghost hunt. Man, you can't beat that, at least not in my book. And um, again, I want to uh, remind you guys, I just released my book. As I said before, it's slated to be available as of September 9th through Amazon, uh, which is the, the, the title is Hot Dame on a Cold Slab film noir murders number two and again this is a true crime book it's got about mm, 14 stories and um 
it's all about it's usually this takes place like between the the world wars and you know you get in there the time of you know prohibition um gangsters g-men uh a lot of things that were going on um that let me tell you something that that there was this underworld uh that was going on uh, here in the United States, like in all places, it wasn't because of the United States. It was just because these are things that were going on as far as um, what life was like. And because, and a lot of, and I said it before, you know, a lot of times because we see this use of serial killers and the, we think that it, that that's a term now or all these people that they do these horrible things and that's not more modern. Uh, and no, back then people were getting, um, there was, if, if you, if you, if you would have taken that person and we put a, put him into modern times, this person would be considered a serial killer. They would have been considered a serial killer. And, um, some of them get caught. Some of them didn't again, without the aid of the forensics that we have now, a lot of them basically walked away from a murder rap because, there were the, the 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 prosecutors and the district attorneys didn't have enough evidence to basically get that person, even on a murder charge, um, get that person charged. Much you know, in other words, and they sometimes there was very good reason to suspect that person, but without evidence, people walked away from murder raps. Uh, but yeah, I, I think I find it interesting. I think a lot of people that are into true crime aficionados, uh, they should find it very interesting. So again, you can find it on my website, marlenepardo.com, also on Amazon, on my author page as Marlene Pardo Pelliser. I want to remind you guys that wherever you find us, if you want to like subscribe to us to make sure, uh, because I do try to send out notifications of when I've got upcoming shows being released. Uh, if you're into classic ghost horror adventure stories you can go to nightshadediary.com that's where i narrate uh things like lovecraft uh a lot of the robert e howard uh there was a slew of mystery writers ghost story writers from that time period that were basically everybody has stood on their shoulders when it comes to the horror genre as far as imagination um, I usually narrate from, uh, from that batch of authors. And then if you want like real time, modern ghost stories or horror stories or scary stories, uh, you can go to supernaturalstorytime.com and I narrate that. That's a separate podcast series. And again, you can, if you want to listen to any of the podcast versions of any of the shows, go to miamighostchronicles.com and I have a link there to the actual MP3 file that you can listen to without commercial interruption. You can listen to it on your browser or download the MP3 file. I also have links to the different podcast platforms, but of course, some of them, they do put uh, advertising in it. So they have advertising breaks, but if you want to just listen to it, go to miamigoschronicles.com, marlenepardo.com, and you can do that right then and there. But otherwise, you can find me anywhere. You can find me on Spreaker, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, iTunes, uh, Mixcloud, Podcast, Podmatic, Podbean, all the major podcast platforms. You're going to find me. 
You can also look for my shows. If you have a home system, let's say like Sonos, you can look for Stories of the Supernatural. You can look for Nightshade Diary and Supernatural Storytime. And you can listen to podcasts through your, for example, your Sonos system. If you want to listen to it that way or your Alexa. I'm also on Amazon Podcasts. You can find me there. Again, guys, I want to thank you so much for being part of my audience. It's great to have you come back every week so that we could uh, speak to interesting people like Rick McCallum. And again, I want to have a link to his, uh, to his website on the credits of the show. And uh, again, uh, I've had a few people contact me. Uh, am I going to have the live Halloween show? I might. I'm still in the works. I'm undecisive. Ish, I should bring a guest and do the live show with a guest or solo. I'm not sure yet how we're going to do that. Uh, but I'll let you guys know one way or the other. I got to make a decision one way or the other. Um, because hopefully people will be going out to trick or treat this Halloween. Yay. We're going to be decorating. We're going to be decorating. I swear me and my husband, we're like a bunch of kids when we go to these places. Now they're putting up Halloween decorations, which by the way, they already are. Um, and pretty soon we'll be having Christmas trees. I know commercialism for you, but, um, yep. I will like keep you guys posted. And again, thank you so much for coming back every week and sharing this time with me. Take care. Angie's list is now Angie and caring for your home just got easier. Whether you need help with routine maintenance or a dream remodel, Angie makes it easy to see reviews, compare quotes and connect with top local pros who can get the job done right. Plus, you can see upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. No phone tag, just the work you need done at a time that works for you. Angie's got your to-do list covered from start to finish. Book your next home project today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Is it time for a new heating and cooling system? Turn to the experts at Griffith Energy Services and Carrier today and get 0% financing for 18 months on a new heating and cooling system. Get the comfort you deserve from Griffith Energy Services and Carrier. Visit GriffithEnergyServices.com today for this and other exclusive offers. That's GriffithEnergyServices.com. License number MDHVACR01-2278. Griffith Energy Services. Oh, oh.